in a world where most people watch movies and then forget about them. These brave heroes join forces to watch them again and then talk about them. Join them in their epic journey as they go back in time, a decade and beyond, to revisit and break down films from a vast array of genres. Do these movies hold up over time? Are they classics? Find out on Retro Movie Roundtable. Starring your hosts, Brian Fry, Chad Robinson, Destin Melvartis, Lizzie Haynes, and Russell Guest. Coming now to Headphones in Your Ears. Welcome all you lords, ladies and knights of the Retro Movie Roundtable. Welcome to the show where we watch movies and then talk about them. I am your host, Russell Guest, and I am so excited because joining me today are all of my friends, all four of them, and my good co-host here from the Steel City of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, here with me is Mr. Chad Robinson. How are you doing, sir? I'm like Jesse Spano, excited and scared at the same time. <laughs> and from the Lilac City, which is Spokane, Washington, for those of you who do not know, Mr. Brian Fry, how are you doing, sir? I'm wonderful, Russ. Good to see all of you tonight. All right. And from the Derby City, Lizzie Haynes. Yes. Excited to be here. First time end of year review. So excited to get into it. And Mr. Dustin Milbars from deep in the heart of Texas. How you doing, sir? Good evening. I'm excited. And it's soup season. Right. Yes. So we've come through a big, long year of 2023. Let's get right into this. The show usually runs pretty long. So Chad, I'm going to hand the baton to you. You are our data master. You were the number holder. Why don't you set us off on this course here? I won this position by default. Yay me. <laughs> you know how to use Excel and the other four of us don't really do it very well. So Dustin <laughs> is sneaky. He's good. He's hiding his skills. But uh, anyways, I'll move on to the awards. I create these little awards for us just to have fun, just to see who is the most contentious, things like that. So without further ado, I'll start with my awards for the year. First one I call, I award you no points. And this is to the person that scores the most movies the lowest, who is our naysayer. And that goes to Miss Lizzie Haynes with 12 of the <laughs> movies. You are the low scorer. I didn't think you would be the Debbie Downer. The I really didn't think I would be either. I truly like don't identify as the Debbie Downer. At least I don't think I do. But yeah, there were a lot of satirical movies this year that I didn't really even notice until I saw them all listed out. And I'm just, it's not my jam. I think I found myself really putting those very low and boondog saints. Just <laughs> check out that episode. Yes. <laughs> you don't need to hear me say it again. You were closely followed with Russell. He was at nine, but on the flip side, you have the passion, Lizzie. You are our unique passions as well. You are scoring movies the highest 12 times again. 12 nice. is your lucky number. So Lizzie loves movies and she hates movies at different <laughs> poles than the rest of us. And so once passionate. again, Russell is right there. He's at 11. So Russell and his comedies are driving these things. However, we've got highs, we've got lows. About the least controversial, maybe most boring, is Dustin. <laughs> Dustin is the one. The Vox Populi. You are the people. He is the closest to the actual final rankings by a huge, huge margin. Mm. I I was next closest, but honestly, this was a this was a one horse race. So, Dustin, if you need lottery numbers, Dustin's going to get you the closest to He'll winning. Figure it out. Yeah, I speak for that. I speak for the people. There I can't go. believe you guys aligned with the guy who's most correct. 
<laughs> Every time. And this is my favorite award. I call it Friends and Frenemies. Who gets along best? And our best friends this year, Dustin and Brian Fry. They hey. are our best friends. They're the nice. ones that are rating things the closest. Dustin, we were best friends last year, but this year, you and Fry by two points. By two points, and it's going to be Lethal Weapon. We'll talk about that later. That's but what that, differentiates us. Wow. It is. <laughs> it was Lethal Weapon. And who got along the worst, or at least a little less? It's Russell <laughs> yep, and <me>. Lizzie. <laughs> no. I think you and I have it in common is the older movies. I think we like older movies, but I'm definitely not a satire girl. I like comedies a whole lot. I'm on a very lonely very lonely yes. island by loving comedies on this show. So I'm on a fu- it's funny bone island, and I'm all alone <laughs> by myself. Yeah, I, know. I broke your heart with Very Patty Shack. Solitary. Sure. Oh yeah, 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 for sure. <laughs> I might share your yeah. text message later. <laughs> I came Ru- into that episode knowing that that Russell would break that top three. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so did I. I knew. I him. walked into that. I walked into Russell's number one and two. That's not a fun place to be. And I was Russell's second biggest enemy. So the two enemies here. But Lizzie, man, a 104 point difference between you and myself of how much we disagree with Russell. And it's uh, it's his comedies. So <laughs> We're horror people. I like joy and laughter. And yes. you do not. You like crying and sadness and fear and hatred. And... <laughs> I, I don't think you like tragedy. I- these things. I think we have evidence here that four of us like joy and laughter. You just like stupid. So there's a... <laughs> it is what it is. I mean, stupid is as stupid does. So I mean, yes. a wise man once said that. I think. Cozy horror is some kind of nostalgic Robin Williams. Yes, I I sent the <laughs> Simpsons meme of Russell of Principal Skinner. It's uh, oh yeah. Uh, am I so out of touch? No, it's the children that are wrong. Aww. And that's been Russell all year. He's like, I'm not out of touch. Everybody else is wrong. <laughs> Anyways, more awards for Russell. The Tanking Award. This is for being the farthest away from any of us on anything else. Russell, hurting my heart with the number one horror movie, Deep Hurt here. He is 24 points off the next lowest score for A Nightmare on Elm Street. Shame on you sir 24 is not that much that is that covered is 49 movies so that's, that's less than half yeah that is half of our list less and than that's half. 20 24 away from the next lowest so somebody could have ranked it at 24 it, they didn't we'll get to that but your second defense you heard a lot of hearts 21 points away on hook and this is two years in a row you have held first Wild. And second place in the tanking award, you have wrongfully accused Brian Fry of being the curmudgeon on this <laughs> podcast. Sir, look in the mirror. I it will. is you. I guess I'm the tank job this, this year. Rolling, rolling my tank, rolling my tank wheels across this podcast. Right. Yeah. He is not up for the bangerang. Well, it's a, no. I, I did not realize that you guys liked it this much. So, oh, I mean, childhood. Oh my gosh, that movie is like everything. I think another thing with Russell is that uh, he knows that he knows that the creators look back on it as a disappointment. Yeah, and I feel like he knows that and let that affect him. Not that it's wrong that he did. Spielberg has pushed this away and said this is not even close to on my best. Like, yeah. So you're listening to Spielberg instead of going with your heart, right? Absolutely. 
I think we can all agree that given the time of year, Russell cannot hear the little silver barrel. Well, oh yeah. Ding, 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 ding. Yes. And continuing on, this is not the Russell guest show, but he's getting multiple awards. I call this, you need to see it multiple times. It is when you love a movie way more than the rest of us. And Russell gets 23 points away in his high ranking for What About Bob? 23 is not that much. It's less than half. Yes. (laughs) Yes. You're going to keep going to this well. But ironically, and he tries to keep this individual away from his comedy podcast, Brian Fry was your closest ally. So once again, you, you have put poor Brian in this box unfairly. He is your friend. We are your foes. <laughs> I, I think it's just time that we realize that I'm the goat. The scapegoat. <laughs> the scapegoat. I am the scapegoat of this podcast. Oh, I am getting to you, sir. Just you <laughs> wait. There are some issues. We do have some fun, most divisive movies. Uh, battle lines are drawn. Lizzie and I are about to be good friends. The fifth element does really well. This is our sci-fi. Russell, Brian, Dustin, all really like it. Lizzie and I, yeah, we might have almost kept it out of some places, so we, we tanked it a little, And but you know what? Lizzie is my friend again. Gremlins, Dustin, you betrayed me. It has puppets. I thought you would be right here with me, but Dustin, Russell, and Fry joined up. But are the puppets in wheelchairs? Ooh, yeah. <laughs> it's weird. I'll just jump in here to say the only reason it didn't go high on my rankings is because Gremlins 2 is better, and I, is and I let that affect me. Oh no! Oh no, sir! I was counting on you. There were wheelchairs. There, were ple- <laughs> there were puppets. I'm like Dustin. He's gonna be my friend. Well, Lizzie is my only <laughs> friend. Lizzie is my horror buddy. So, thank you, Lizzie. But you guys kept it out Love of Gremlin. its rightful place. Yes. Top fifteen's good for Gremlins. I mean, it's a better Spielberg movie than Hook. <laughs> uh, yes, oh, no. I I will agree with that. But we'll see if everybody else does. Speaking of spoilers, though, those who knocked out our top tens, Brian Fry, this is you. This is your doing. Brian Fry knocks out Leave Her to Heaven with a 30 ranking. We'll find out where it winds up, but it didn't hit top 10. That surprises me. That seems off brand for you. It was my least favorite of the crime noirs of the year. It, yeah. But, but that's like saying that's like your least favorite, like hamburger or like your least favorite like west virginia jersey or something that you really love like or i don't know your favorite your least favorite craft beer i don't know what that like all things that brian loves it's your least favorite child let, all right let me excuse me let me use my best russell here well i mean it was 49 <laughs> movie so i mean half of 49 is uh... that sounds exactly like me well, there, there's one more individual I need to get on the spoiler train, though. Lizzie Haynes, ma'am, you knocked out Blazing Saddles with a 45 ranking. We will discuss mm-hmm. that later, but you know what you did. Yeah, we know I, what you did. I stand by my choice. <laughs> we know what you did. You, you are on an island, apart from Russell and his comedy I island. completely, I, island. I stand by my choice. <laughs> <laughs> All right, all right. Well, we've got a couple different islands. And lastly, once again, we are a variety hour here at the round table. 
we have five decades represented in our top 10 once again, two years straight. So we've got the 40s, 70s, 80s, 90s, and aughts. So if you tune in to us, we may do something from the 30s one week and then do 2013 next week. So that's the reason why you tune into the show. We hit old, we hit new, everything in between. I love it. Yeah, big variety from the round table. Starting at a very surprising number 49. So we had 49 movies this year. Is Transformers the movie? At number 48 was Dustin's Dealer's Choice, King of New York. Then we have our Tales from the Crypt, Bordello of Blood. Followed by Blue is the Warmest Color at 46. Weird Al's UHF at 45. My Dealer's Choice with My Dinner with Andre at 44. The Russians Are Coming at 43, Russell's least favorite episode of the year. Another Dealer's <laughs> Choice with Boondock Saints. This was Brian Fries at 42. You've already heard Lizzie. You may hear her from her again there. And The Secret Life of Walter Mitty, which was actually our kickoff show. And that rounds out our bottom 10, actually, our bottom nine. Lizzie, your thoughts on the bottom nine. How many of these were new to you? What made you happiest? And what's one that you you didn't get to cover, but maybe you wish you had? I'm honestly like pretty satisfied with this. For the most part, it's in alignment in some way, shape, or form with my own personal rankings. I really had a good time on my dinner with Andre. And I have to be honest, I'm very happy to see Boondock Saints in the lower one, but that was probably my most favorite episode to record because I loved ripping it <laughs> a new one. <laughs> that was your low. Lizzie was 49. Uh, that... <laughs> you saved King of New York from being last. Yeah, we did give Lizzie back-to-back non-Lizzie movies. And yeah, (laughs) it showed in Boondock Saints of just, I'm tired of your crap. (laughs) (laughs) I I love it. And this is the time where we can actually say, you know what? I pretended on the podcast, Dustin does this. Dustin is the master. Where (laughs) he will be like, I had such a good time. One and a half. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Uh, You know what? Speaking Speaking of like having a good time, and rating it low. I, I do enjoy to do that. Uh, I am surprised to see Lizzie's uh, ranking of King of New York, keeping it from the bottom. Um, right. I, I presented it, and that was my dealer's choice. I have the low dealer's choice of the year. But that was also one that uh, I said it on the show. Like, Dad introduced it to me, and so I just wanted to say, hey, do you all know this? Let's take a look. And uh, it just kind of was a little bit of a downer, uh, considering who our lead actor is. So it, it I think it deserved its space down where it is. My buddy Jake will probably be lamenting that the Transformers, the movie, ended up last. I think it deserves <laughs> it. It received no last place votes, but yeah, it, it did wind up in the bottom. Uh, Dustin, is there anything that you wish you had gotten to cover down here in the bottom nine? That I wish I'd gotten to cover? Well, I ranked Blue is the Warmest Color as my lowest movie of the year. Because it's double the amount of time a movie should be. Agreed. <laughs> See, Blue is the Warmest Color is 180 minutes. Yes. So I would say that it's about an hour and a half away from being probably a top 20 movie for me this year. Uh, I think there was a lot in there that just kept it, kept it tighter. Let's just say a tight 90. 
Mm-hmm. Then uh, it still would... trying to make this a thing. It's, a thing. it's already a it's thing. It's already brother. happening. Bumper stickers are being made. T-shirts are there. <laughs> In fact, to watch, like, I got a baguette to have with some fromage. I, I had, I had something to like get in the mood to watch that movie. Uh, there is something very pleasant about listening to French for three hours. That is not be... a baguette eating movie, man. But it'd be pleasanter <laughs> if it was an hour and a half. It was crazy that it was so long, and it was destined to be last of my life. But I would have liked to cover it. How many were new for you, Dustin? Eight of the ten bottom ones were new for me. Wow. And so speaking of the new stuff, the, the, the first entry of the year, the Walter Mitty movie, it really made me happy for its visuals, for its color. I wasn't on that show, and I listened to Russell had brought that up, but it really is kind of a stunning visual uh, romp, which I really liked. Uh, aside from that, the only thing here in the bottom 10 that I thought, you know, I, I wasn't on the show, but I wanted to cover was, uh, I think, my, my dinner with Andre, I listened to you guys talk about how, man, you make it like 50 minutes before Wally even says anything. Back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I'll tell you, I, I, I put it at like 40 or 50 minutes in before I turned it off and said, I have to watch, I have to come back another time. How is this? What it's? How is this with the accolades that it's supposed to have? I know. And Russell I, fell asleep. So yeah. you fell asleep. I did. I, I can. I can see why. It, I think it would be better as any other medium, other than a movie. Yeah, it seems like a stage play. I get it. Yeah, it was definitely meant to be a play for sure. It was fascinating to talk about, though, and we. Dustin, you were needed on The Russians Are Coming. Nope, I'll tell you that, nope. But. Dustin would have been killing kids left and right just like <laughs> Fry and I were. I listened to that episode. That was a great listen because I, uh, Russell had tipped his hand and said that you guys were really giving it to him on it. You can feel the rage building in Russell, and he's, he just gets despondent. It's one of my favorite episodes to do, and it's Russell's least favorite. Brian, how many of these bottom nine are new to you? I had four new films on the bottom nine, and I basically have the antithesis to everyone's <laughs> opinions on all these. I watched My Dinner with Andre at, at probably the perfect circumstances. It's like going skiing at a place that might otherwise be meh, but you hit it on like the perfect conditions. And I was actually at work. I had it playing next to my, you know, on second screen, and I'm just listening to this this dialogue rich film just sitting there like oh god this is like i was just digging it uh yeah it was definitely uh i was sad to see it it was that low blue is the warmest color is the other one i was sad to see this low mainly because no it's not a movie that i'll probably ever end up watching again but i'm also one really happy i was on that episode to discuss it and two i like some other movies that I've seen in the past, I feel like it was something that, you know, from a movie watching credibility standpoint, I needed to see. And I think that if it hadn't been part of the podcast, I wouldn't. It, I do think it was an incredibly well put together movie and how they, you know, executed this this plot line. I mean, was there probably a little too much at parts? Okay. But like a lot of Aronofsky out there, like, I, I'm not sad that they did it the way they did it, and I'm happy I was there for it. Past that, my fast take on if I had been on one, if I had been on Dinner with Andre, 
that movie was so full of wonderful monologues to use in theater classes. Like the whole time in the back of my head, I'm thinking like, I've taken three or four classes just on dialogue where this is just cheesecake with chocolate topping. Like it's a perfect movie for preaching dialogue to aspiring actors and playwrights and stuff like that. So I, I don't know. I, w- I was sad to see, see it that low. It was kind of a bummer. That is a movie you absolutely have to be in the right mood for. And if you hit it wrong, yeah, I got lucky. And the other thing is, I'm not even sad to see Boondock that low. It's a movie I enjoy. I'll even admit on the watch when I had to actually look at it critically for the podcast, I was kind of like, yeesh, you know, it's, it's, (laughs) it's, it's not a hill you want to defend. I love the movie, but it's not a hill. It's not an easily defensible position. This is not where you plant your flag. Right. We also identified on that show that there are a lot of people that would die on that hill and you yes. don't want to associate with those people that are dying on that. Agreed. Hill. Those people That's are true. called yes. jabronis. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we should call our bottom nine the jabroni tier. <laughs> Russell, how many of the bottom nine were in were new to you? Uh, seven out of these were, wow. were, were new to me. I, it's one reason I love doing this show, and uh, none of I was not the low voter on any of these. Actually, I was the high voter on three of them. So uh, it doesn't really make me terribly sad. None of them are totally shocking, especially once I understood that nobody else appreciated the Russians are coming. I had that at seventeen. Everybody <laughs> else had that around forty and lower. So it is good, I think. But um, this is uh, Comedy Island. I like Weird Al way better. I'm stunned that Chad that you're not with me on that one. You know, Transformers and Kingdom of New York being down at the bottom kind of make me, that that feels about right. And yeah. I know I have a guilty pleasure of Tales from the Crypt. I have that at 32, which doesn't feel that high, but it seemed high to everybody else. So, uh, you know, yes. I mean, it is just fun. So we, I will put this out there now. We did not cover very many movies I just truly don't like. And this is my strongest year. I had more movies that I absolutely loved this year. My top, when you get to the top of my own personal rankings, this has been six years we've done the show. This is by far the best year at the top of what we covered this year for me. If a movie has an attractive redhead, it can jump anywhere from 10 to 12 spots in the ranking from where it actually deserves with Russell. <laughs> so, so just know that. There may be some truth to that. <laughs> <laughs> for me, I had five new ones. UHF is probably my favorite out of all these. Russell, I get why it's low i just had 29 other movies that i really like it's just i couldn't rank it higher but i get weird al's not for everyone it does hurt my feelings especially for a little bit (laughs) yeah it it hurts my feelings a little bit to see my dinner with andre so low but i totally get that one as well you have to be in the right mood for it and if you're not that movie is a disaster as far as something that i wanted to cover I want in on the Transformers episode. I understand it's our last movie, but there's just so much nostalgia, and that movie is ridiculous because nobody knew what they were doing when they made it. They're just like, we're going to kill all these beloved characters, and it'll be fine, and kids will be fine. So we are going to move on to our next set of 10. At number 40, we have Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. At 39, we have Lizzie's Dealer's Choice. At Toys, License to Kill follows that at 38. Nausicaa, The Valley of the Wind, 37. Breaker Morant, 36. Network, 35. Scrooged at 34. Inherit the Wind, 33. 
A Walk to Remember is our number 32 movie, and closing out this next set of 10 is Mulholland Drive at 31. Lizzie, what do you make of 40 through 31? I think about eight of these were new. A Walk to Remember, Toys, of course. I'm not upset to see anything here. I totally get Toys. I think for me, the reason why it was so high is the nostalgia of it all. No, number three. That's acceptable. It means something to her childhood. So I love it so much. It's my childhood. Yeah. I think, you know, honestly, to me, the breakout movie of this list that was the one that I was most happy to watch is, I got to say, it's, I'm shocked to say it, but it's the Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind. I actually thought that movie was darling. It wasn't my favorite, of course. I mean, I have it ranked like kind of in the middle, but in terms of, a movie that I went in with super low expectations of, I ended up really, really liking it. And so I'm probably the most thankful for that. Is there one you wanted in on, Lizzie, that you didn't get to record? Maybe Mulholland Drive. That probably would have been a fun one for me to revisit. I think Brian and I, I know it's technically 2001, but I feel like it has like that very 90s yes. thriller vibe to it, which is kind of something that Brian and I have in common that we both really like. I think that would have been a really fun one to be on for sure. Oh, I wanted on it for different reasons. Dustin, how many <laughs> of the 40 through 31 sets are new to you? Uh, eight of these were new to me. So if I look through, License to Kill and Scrooged were the ones I knew. The Nausicaa uh, episode was also great to record with JD. JD is a, a graphic artist and very into creature design. So whenever you're on with her, you get a, a special guest experience, so shout out to her. Interesting about this set of 10, three of them were in my top rankings, like my top 12. Inherit the Wind was my number nine. Breaker Morant was my number 11. And Nausicaa was my number 12. And so to see those three down here makes me look, think about the rest of the numbers like, wow. And I was the one that had like the closest rankings to the final ranking. But I, I liked all three of those. Nausicaa was special. Inherit the Wind was... I didn't think I was a courtroom movie guy. You might be, is what I was wondering. Breaker Morant's kind of a court movie, too. Yeah. Yes. This year had kind of solidified that I think people think of like A Few Good Men. People think of, uh, you know, when it comes to courtroom dramas, I think modernity is uh, what people generally think of. But, uh, you know, I like to think of these older courtroom dramas, and they really stood out. I will say, Chad, you ranked Nausicaa... 46? I'm a huge Studio Ghibli fan, but I... That is surprising. This one does not click with me. I am a Spirited Away, My Neighbor Totoro. Those are my movies. This one, I felt the animation was lacking compared to their greater heralded projects. Yeah, and I'm glad you said it, because sometimes it is something where it's, instead of sort of ranking it with the rest of the movies of the year, you kind of end up ranking it to its like groups. But which yeah. is like what you know, my my Gremlin score, my Gremlin two score, and then I see you are also real low on Mulholland Drive, which I mean I didn't have crazy high, but I'm I'm a I'm a Lynch guy. I hate David Lynch. I oh, hate okay. him so much. He I am miserable on every single one of his movies. If I could give this movie a zero, I would. It's it is a zero. This Ooh. is a true zero. I did ask Chad one day. I, I, he was putting down a movie that I definitely picked. Maybe it was Breaking Away, and he said, uh, you know. There, there aren't five movies worse than that that we've covered that I've covered. And I said, really? And then he really started thinking about it, and he had to really think about it. And he's like, well, there's Dune, Blue Velvet, Mulholland Drive, <laughs> oh. 
Well, we've wow. covered three David Lynch movies, so right. <laughs> I mean, yeah. so he did start going on the David Lynch tour. And it's just like, well, I guess maybe, maybe I can get there. I guess the, the interesting thing is that you know, I, I as I love talking to Chad about movies and to see how very different we are about somebody like David Lynch, or or, yes. or that uh, Nausicaa in particular. As far as like some of the shows I wasn't on, I think Network might have held my attention if our principal actors were a little younger. Uh, it seemed like I think they even refer to him as middle aged, and they refer to Faye Dunaway as young. Uh, right. it, it's weird, uh, and so and I also thought it was the most boring movie we covered this year. <laughs> it, it network is boring. <laughs> oh, Fry's Fry's gonna fight you. And speaking of Fry, here you you get to jump in. How many were new to you in this set? I also was an eight person on this one. Oh my this, goodness! This, wow. this was a this was a big grouping for me. I will agree with Dustin on one thing. Breaker Morant was sadly low on this list. Uh, mm-hmm. th- that that one hurt a lot. That was one of my big finds of the year. But uh, where I will disagree with Dustin on, as a journalism kid who rails against what journalism has become, Network is my Kool-Aid. Like, I watched that movie, and it has quickly risen to the top of the movies I wish I was there to cover, too. It has my quote of the year. Oh, God, it just breaks my heart that it was this low on the thing. What was our journalism movie, like our, our newsroom movie from last year? Broadcast News. And, and I ranked that number four. And Brian, you're the opposite of me on that again, is that you don't like that. Yeah. So Broadcast News, yes, it goes into what that one personal character's moral flexibility is toward journalism. But this was more of a critique on, and and frankly, a a prophetic movie on what journalism definitely. would become. Definitely. So. So yeah, I and, and the fact that it almost took it in a comically satirical direction, like yes, we're we're not that bad, but man, we're close. <laughs> like we're not this overt about how you know slanderous we are on how we deliver news, but man, it's just like yeah, that's exactly what happened. Yeah, right, Russell, your thoughts. Eight are new to me as well on this one. Oh, wow, this was a lot of new content for me. I'm not the low man voter on any of these. I'm the high man voters for Scrooged, which I'm not shocked. We've established I like comedies yes. a lot. And, and Bill Murray. License yes. to Kill, I'm the highest on. I like my James Bond more than everybody else. That that usually goes true. And Barely. I'm right behind you that, there. That's that, yeah. And Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. I love classic comedies. I love the pace of that. And so I, I guess it makes me a little bit sad to see that nobody else connected with it. I think some of these older comedies like Marx Brothers and this, I... I find myself on a lonely, funny bone island again. Nothing here really made me sit there and say, oh, I'm unhappy. I really like Nausicaa. I kind of wish I could have been on that episode, too. Mulholland Drive was really fun to research. So I think that that's one of those ones that it's conceptually really interesting. And it's, it's one of the most thought-provoking to talk about. I want to jump in and say Abbott and Costello surprised me with how funny it was and when the title is meet frankenstein but it's all the monsters and it was quick but not at the lightning speed of the marx brothers i wouldn't put those two together even though they are older black and white comedies i wouldn't put them together abbott costello works for me and so it, it, it's low on my rankings but that's because like russell i thought this was a very strong year so I, it, it wasn't low because i thought it was bad it was just not as good as some of the other stuff that makes me feel better. It's definitely a strong year, but this section was 
miserable and I am a curmudgeon here. You're the low man on four of them. <laughs> I am. This is brutal. I had six new movies here and most of them are in the bottom whatever. Mulholland Drive, I hate. Nausicaa, I think it, Dustin nailed it. It's just, I compare it to the other Studio Ghibli movies and this is an inferior one. It's probably like seventh, maybe even lower than that. I think Spirited Away was listed and I'm still a little angry that it was left off because that's one of the best movies of all time. The courtroom dramas just don't tend to work for me very much. I love 12 Angry Men, but I didn't feel like Inherit the Wind had a satisfactory ending. Same Breaker Morant clearly didn't. It's limited by it's, what happens in real life, but yes, it doesn't feel right. <laughs> Yeah, so as far as that, I tanked a bunch of these. I'm sorry a lot of you had higher passions. Walk to remember, you you really came came with a hatchet. That, yeah. I thought that was a well done. No, that is, that is some early dating trauma right back there. And I was whisked back into that movie. I'm like... And the 90s slang, like we're 2002, but it's using terrible 90s slang. And it's just painful listening to the teenagers talk. I want Ghostface to come and just stab them. <laughs> that would have been yes. a better movie. But well, yeah, won't, he won't now. Yes. The, Instead, the you got Mandy wish, Moore serenading you. But you know what? I do wish I was on that podcast. <laughs> I don't want to trash it. I want to listen to people like Lizzie that love that movie. And convince me that I'm just being <laughs> unnecessarily rude to it. So that's the podcast. I kind of like being challenged on some of those movies. So I don't really want on Mulholland Drive because I would no. say no nice things. But we'll move on to better movies, uh, starting with our 30 through 21. So we're getting through this. At number 30 is Waiting for Guffman. Brian Fry's Ravenous comes in at 29. Canada's own Cube at 28. Cube. Which is Dustin's dealer's choice. I don't have that highlighted. Election at 27. Russell with a funny thing happened on the way to the forum. This is Russell's first dealer's choice. So he made it all the way to 26. It was just weird because nothing funny happened on the way to the forum. <laughs> I'll fight you on that later. <laughs> Caddyshack at 25. Breaking Russell's heart. Mystic Pizza at 24. Lethal Weapon at 23, The Patriot at 22, and Strangers on a Train at 21. Lizzie, how many of these were new for you on this section? Only two. I had seen most of these movies. The two movies that I had not seen before, I had not seen Cube. I felt like Cube crawled so that Saul could walk. Yes. It was a very... Well done movie and certainly laid the groundwork for Saul. And for that, I, I thank it. I appreciate it. Could have been higher if they had any good actors. Right. This yeah. I mean, it yeah. was like so bootlegged, but it was it was really good bones and ultimately like overall like a really fun watch. And then the second one, which also I really enjoyed, I had it in my top 10 was Strangers on a Train. I think that that movie was objectively fantastic. It just, it was unbelievable. I thought that the acting was so good and mm -hmm. the twists and turns that it took, it was just a classic Hitchcock and I really enjoyed it. I had so much fun watching that. As far as the other movies, I mean, Caddyshack, I hate to poo-poo these movies, but unless it's something that I grew up watching, which was like Young Frankenstein or Robin Hood Men in Tights, like I appreciate the satirical movies like my parents forced me to watch because then like I have, there's the nostalgia element to it. But even still, when I watch those movies, I'm thinking like, this is stupid. 
Like, I'm not laughing. Maybe not Robin Hood Men in Tights because that movie is pretty funny. But Caddyshack doesn't do it for me. To me, it just feels like I'm watching a nothing movie. Like nothing. Golf sketches, yeah. It's fine. You threw the baby Ruth into Russell's pool. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I am sad. I am sad. I am so sorry, but uh, but yeah, but I'm not. Yeah, but Strangers on a Train. If I had to pick one that I was gonna be on, that probably would have been it because I had a lot of fun watching it. We had different childhoods. I got Candy Shack TV version handed to me very young, and I wasn't allowed to watch toys at all. Actually, when I was younger. <laughs> Let's all go take a shower. Toys, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But Lizzie is living proof that I made this point on the Caddyshack episode. If you did not get this movie when you were a kid, you are not going to find it funny. This generation is not really going to find it funny. That being said, my justification. Dustin, how many were new to you on this list? I think with Caddyshack, I recognize what the humor is before I laugh at it for being funny. Like, recognize, oh, that's the joke. I, I would say, like, Chevy Chase's character was great for me with that, but I didn't laugh out loud at any of it. But I still, like, I like Chevy. That was a weird. So the four of these movies were new to me. The, what made me happy, a funny thing happened on the way to the forum. I didn't know I was in for, like, the musical variety and the grand sets and scenery of that movie. The, the leader, Gloriosus, is the leader of the army, and he's got that song. He's like the Gaston before Gaston's in a way, and he's awful. And then I'll also say Strangers on a Train didn't grab me at first, and I ranked it pretty low compared to our other older movies, but I would definitely watch it again, and I think that one is going to pick up on a second watch for Strangers on a Train. 39, yeah, that was harsh. Yeah, like it was your point. Is there's, a, there's a lot of good stuff this year. I am glad in this area, I'm glad that the Patriot was over Lethal Weapon. We got our Mel Gibsons right next to each other. Oh, Brian's twitching. But I'm surprised that it isn't very high across the board. It's Russell had it real low. At that is not a tight 90, Dustin. That seems very off-brand for you. The man loves his country. He, he carried a flag into bullets flying by him. You should be tearing up like any red-blooded American. I'll be honest with you. These super long Mel Gibson flicks like Braveheart and me totally agree with that Russell, 100 percent. what was the other one after it apocalypto yeah yes. I, I, that's so, another so. example of me just not getting i don't want to sit here and say mel gibson is always overrated but i mean i like lethal weapon better so i mean i'm not gonna it's not mel gibson i'm just saying i don't know i think it's mel gibson i think it's mel gibson he's like very manic <laughs> yeah in the is. same way that i feel that nicholas cage is so monotone it's like that's how i feel about mel gibson but in almost a mania so complete opposite where it's like i cannot connect with the character because i'm so i cannot forget that it's mel gibson yeah that he's got kind of a standout presence like that yeah but you know uh, apocalypto and brave or i actually don't go back to those but the patriot is something i love a take on a movie that I, I or a, a show I wasn't on. I think M Mystic Pizza was really charming. That surprised me too. You're welcome. <laughs> of course, I'm a big Julia Roberts He's fan. So cute. But it's 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 a it's an ensemble kind of success. Our conflict isn't like world ending, which is kind of nice. Is that what we get is just kind of small. It feels very small town. It is very small town, and I would have liked to have been on that show. Slice of life, Dustin. It was slice of life. Yeah, I felt like I was cheating <laughs> on you. That that is the first 
Julia Roberts movie I haven't done with Dustin. I really did feel like I was cheating on him. Yeah, I wasn't sitting there all alone, like tearing petals off of a flower, waiting for a call. That's hurtful. That's right. Tate was a great guest. That was a really fun episode. New best friend, Brian. Brian, (laughs) how many were new to you? I had four new ones on this one. I was really happy with Strangers on a Train. I really, really enjoyed both the the first time watch of that and then being on the podcast for it. And I'm going to go into my Mel Gibson thing here. I was sad to see Lethal Weapon that low and Ravenous uh, for that matter, just because that was a dealer's choice. And that's one of those movies that I, that I probably would die on a on, on a hill for, mm-hmm. uh, just in terms of, of <laughs> would you die? It. I mean, wouldn't you just eat somebody else and not die? There you go. Yeah, exactly. You you just got to you just got to plan well. Um as far as the Patriot, I like 65% of that movie. Mm. I I would say it's one of those movies that I have rewatched 65% of it several times. It mm. has some good bones to it, but the historical inaccuracy of it just hits me really hard. I have the same issue with Braveheart. There are parts of Braveheart. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things where like from an action point of view, there are some, like there aren't a ton of really, really good actiony revolutionary war movies. And I like that. I like sword play. So that part of Braveheart, I like that, but by and large, there are things that take me out of these films and they get penalized a little bit for it. And it sucks that it happens like this with The Patriot because I think it's got a great supporting cast. I think there's some awesome pieces to it. It just suffers from from Mel Gibson-ing. The thing that protects Lethal Weapon from that is Danny Glover and the fact that it is a probably a Mount Rushmore of that era's action movies. So like it gets a spot next to Die Hard and, and, and other movies like that. Mel Gibson doesn't have his hands on it. He's just a player in it. I completely agree with Mystic Pizza. It's a very charming movie. Caddyshack is not something that got its claws into me early enough, clearly. Yeah, I, you know, there, there's, there's some good stuff in here. I'm, I obviously wish some of it had been higher. There, there's some good pieces to this 10. Russ, what about you? How many were new in this section for you? I had six that were new here. Wow. I, I guess I'm the downer of this pack here, whereas the other ones I've been really positive on, this is my, I have four of this where I'm the low voter on. So that's Election Cube, which I liked Cube, by the way. I just happened to come in last. I don't think, that, I don't think that's targeted. You were so down on Election to the point of where you were constantly warning me before I got on the podcast, <laughs> this is going to be a terrible movie. You'll hate it. I knew it was written and directed so by the same guy who did The Descendants and did sideways which i know you hate sideways so i just thought i, I just thought who created it and the fact that you had picked it i was worried so it wasn't yeah. it wasn't that i was projecting my own feelings on the movie because i think it is a solid two-star movie um <laughs> so but I, I wasn't trying to project that onto you um, just solid two-star <laughs> your remaining minute and a half can be dedicated to caddyshack no i think i've already i really love this movie it's been part of me for every step of the way i think you have three comedic geniuses that are just in high form here to me it's one of those top five movies for me it's on my mount rushmore of movies period so if i were on a, if i were on my lonely island with 10 movies i'm easily bringing caddyshack with me because it makes me feel really good on a day where i don't feel good and Bill Murray, Chevy, Rodney Dangerfield, and Ted Knight. I mean, it's just, it's outstanding performances. 
I'll apologize, like I said, for, you know, the Patriot as well. I mean, this one's just not for me. I had a love, I had a blast doing Strangers on a Train. I kind of wish I had uh, had a shot to uh, be on Waiting for Guffman with you, by the way. Yeah, I thought that was fun. That was a fun episode, and I, I had never seen Waiting for Guffman. So many times, one of the things I like doing about this podcast, you get hit by like a breath of fresh air. And that Waiting for Guffman for me was like, oh, wow. I mean, I've done Spinal Tap before, but this is different. Guffman was truly unique. Uh, like in the same way Nausicaa was like, I was not going to watch Nausicaa ever without, you know, this podcast putting it in front of me. And I'm really glad I did it. So, and same thing, Guffman, it was, it was a lot of fun. For me, I had three new ones to me. Uh, I had some big hits. I really liked the funny thing happened on the way to the forum. Brian Fry is kind of my enemy there. I thought a lot of funny things happened on the way to the forum. Mm-hmm. It's such a fun episode. I actually had both of the musicals in this list with Dustin. Dustin is a great host to have when there's music in the background, when there's music featured. He is fantastic. So I enjoyed those episodes a lot. The Patriot, I, listen, that is the most pressure I've ever had in a show. I hold a master's degree in early American history up through the Revolutionary War. I like listening to you and Dustin talk about it more than I enjoyed watching. Well, Dustin is quizzing me during this podcast, and I hope to God I got all my facts right, but that is a lot of pressure to recall things that I'm now removed from for about 15 years. Several years. years. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I still try and keep up, and I still try and read and do all this research. Despite all the inaccuracies, I I do love the movie. It's just patriotic schlock, and I I eat it up. Tell me about Ohio. Yes. <laughs> the one I really wish I was on. I wish I was on Cube. I can't be on every single episode we have in October, but I'm still going to campaign for it. I wanted in on that show. I wanted in so, so badly. <laughs> and Russell just said, you can't have all of it. Oh. Cube. Was there, what, what, what's your cube take? What's the thing that you needed to say? Never watch the sequels. Well, okay, we know that. We know that for sure. <laughs> oh, no, somebody did. Yes, the hypercube. Cubes. Hypercube Cube. is so, so terrible. But I do yeah. think a remake would be good, by the way. We talked about that. Yeah, I think if you came back and remade it with good actors, I think, and I don't mean to act like everybody was trash in the movie. I'm just saying that would be a fun movie to remake. We are getting up there. We are in our top 20 through 11 list at number 20. Poor Russell is number one. What about Bob? Smokey and the Bandit is 19. My other dealer's choice, House of the Devil, is at 18. Lizzie's other dealer's choice, Kiss the Girls, is at 17. Is that a sequel to uh, Blue is the Warmest Color? <laughs> wow. Wow. <I'm>... Our comedy <laughs> king, Russell. Wow. You continue Ouch. being on that island. Blazes... I recognize the humor. I'm just not laughing. Right. You are laughing as you're saying you're not laughing. You're lying. You're not laughing. <laughs> I loved it. I'm so glad you say those things when they pop into your head. Blazing Saddles, this is... At 16, Metropolis, our oldest movie on the list, is at 15, largely due to me tanking it. Gremlins is at 14, Miss Congeniality at 13, Russell's dealer's choice of Leave Her to Heaven at 12, and The Wrestler tops out our list at number 11. Lizzie, how many of these movies were new to you? Seven. (laughs) Most of these movies were new to me. You had a bad time with this list. 
I know. Russell, I'm really sorry about what about Bob. I uh, I feel really <laughs> bad. <laughs> Lizzie sent me her rankings, by the way. And like, what about Bob left off? Not like out of hate or anything like that. It just like one slipped off. Which is hilarious because of the title of the movie. And I said, hey, where would you put what about Bob? And she goes, and I guess she says bottom half for sure. Let's throw it in above Caddyshack. <laughs> and I said, I have it above Caddyshack too at my one and two. <laughs> honestly the fact that i forgot it it just is like the that's perfect like that's like the perfect way for me to describe it it's like i just and i feel like so mean it feels mean to say it i don't want it to land that way but it's just i think that this kind of reminds me a little bit of the john hughes movie not necessarily but like the uncle buck movie in the sense where like i think again like if you like obviously they're completely different in plot but i think that it has it's moments, but I think ultimately, like if you didn't grow up with it, you just don't have that chip that likes it. And I think that that's kind of like this for me. I pseudo watched this movie in high school when like a substitute teacher wheeled it in during class one day, but I don't really count that because I didn't pay attention. So I really revisiting it now. I don't hate it, but I just it felt kind of not my movie. That's fine. And uh, just not for me. Blazing Saddles. Now, I do have more of a passionate opinion about Blazing Saddles. This was another new movie for me. And I have to stand by my choice. This has to be a movie where if you don't have some kind of childhood memories of growing up with this, like this Mm. movie does not hold up like at all. So like I'm watching this movie just like I'm not feeling it. Like I'm not comfortable with their gratuitous use of uh, racial slurs. I'm also not comfortable with the fact that we're making rape funny. And it's just like, not for me. And uh, so it just was not my jam. And uh, so <laughs> it's just, I think, I think if you grew up watching it, I can completely appreciate why those things slide. Because I certainly have movies like that too, where there's elements that just do not hold up that you can forgive because you grew up watching it. I think for me, the standout movie of this, I got to say is House of the Devil. And this is another one that Chad, I have to be honest, I went in with really low expectations. And you know why I was very afraid that this is going to be a movie that was going to just like disturb me to my core. And instead, it just really entertained me. I thought it was really fun. And honestly, like a very, very well done And I can't even say classic because it's such a newer movie, but it was shot and has such an element of a classic 80s horror movie. And I really, really enjoyed it. That's where I try and live is like really low expectations. (laughs) No, but I loved it. And I I really, really appreciated it. And then, of course, like I got to give a shout out to Gremlins just because it's, I mean, it's Gremlins. It's just like such... A classic. I had a really, really difficult time ranking that because I kept putting it in my top 10 and then pushing it out for something else. And I think I finally landed with it in like my top 15. But I I really have a deep love and appreciation for those. And I just I love Gizmo. I mean, who doesn't want a little Furby singing to you? They're just Mogwais are. Yes, that was such a fun episode to record. I wish I would have been on that one for sure. Dustin. How many were new to you in this 20 through 11? In this subset, six of them were new to me. Wow. And uh, a lot of them them got pretty high for me. It was a blast to record with Russell and one of his former roommates, the Tennessee Boys. 
we got to do Smokey and the Bandit, and yes. we were we were doing a country movie with kind of some country boy attitude, and I, I, it was just I feel when I go back south, Texas is its own thing. When I go back to the deep south, like I kind of get brought back into that feel, and this movie did that for me. And then with with Metropolis here, there were a lot of ways that like I think it's ranked accurately, but there's certain things that it's hard to pull from because it was a silent movie. But the score is incredible. Uh, probably the best score this year, uh, tied with The Patriot. A John Williams score, by the way. On top of that, the message of Metropolis, the mediator between the head and the hands is the heart, has actually changed my worldview and my management style. It's the idea that you have to have these sides or talk about like vertical like you have to have your hierarchy work together and the best employee is the heart and i've said this out loud since watching this movie and it was a great movie to watch with nathan too that that movie just fills you with something i wasn't expecting that that was really great wrestler uh really sort of surprised me uh we, we did talk about a little bit this year how i took a little bit of a dark turn toward reveling in despair movies people are having a bad time it's like oh wow real emotion it is your thing I'm feeling because <laughs> they're because they're feeling and that movie makes you feel uh so yeah props to aronofsky for that one and i i got i wasn't on the house of the devil episode i'm also the low man on the list you were uh, very mean to it you were very mean to my favorites here 35 yeah well that uh, russell's kind of coming uh, it's not that i'm being mean uh, uh, that movie actually i really liked it and i would watch it again but there were because I wasn't on the show, I couldn't. I don't, and I don't want to take the time now to dissect things that I was left wanting for. Uh, I thought its atmosphere was aces. It's not that I was surprised, but I think a lot of movies aim for how that movie, like how you're enveloped by it, and that movie is just an incredible success for how you feel of watching House of the Devil. There we had what three dealers' choices in our top twenty. I think that's pretty good. Yes, Brian. How many were new to you in this set? I had four new movies in this grouping. I was really, really happy to see Smokey. House of the Devil was awesome. <laughs> Thank you for that. Uh, and then uh, Leave Her to Heaven. So, Which you were the low man. I, I am, I am. But here's the thing. I'm, yeah. happy, I'm happy that these are being brought up, if that makes sense. Like, I understand I don't like it as much as everybody else does, but I also don't hate it. It's weird. The first time I wa- the first time I watched it, I was like, "Well, this is a Fry movie, and I'm not sure I like my own Dealer's Choice very much because I certainly hadn't seen it." Chad Chad texted me was like, "This is really good," and I was like, "I had to watch it again twice anyway, certainly for the show." But I think in talking to Chad about it kind of helped. Also, knowing what you're in for helps a lot because it was a hard movie to sit through. So the second time, I was braced for what was coming my way. Yeah. And the thing is, like, really, once you get to a certain point in this list, you know, we talk about it every year that there aren't movies that I hate or, you know, really dislike past a certain point. So although 30 looks like it's bleeding red and awful, that's not a condemnation of this movie in any way, shape or form. It's just when I'm moving stuff around, that's how it kind of sauntered out. As far as some of the other stuff we've got on here, The Wrestler is an amazing movie. Uh, It's going to come up a lot in my superlatives. Miss Congeniality is one of those movies that I didn't really want to see when the time came to see it. And then I watched it and I was like, yeah, yeah, that's great. And it is. Yep. 
Gremlins is amazing. I, I think we've said all that needs to be said about Gremlins because it's Gremlins. Dustin, Metropolis is a great movie. Uh, I actually bought it when I was you know a younger man, and it has only gotten better with age. Uh, just from the visuals to its actual you know statement on life kind of piece is, is great. Blazing Saddles, the thing I want to bring up about this is, this is not a movie that should have gotten you as a child. <laughs> No, it's <laughs> like it kept saying. Yeah, I was like, I was like, who's watching this as a kid, man? He shouldn't be watching this as a kid. My parents were having us watch a lot of Mel Brooks as a child, so maybe that's that's where that reference. And, is. and I, I'm a huge History of the World Part One fan, and I did I got to this later because of its rating, but it was in my early 20s, and, and it just I know we're saying it as a when you were younger, but every time it came up, <laughs> man, unless it got to you when you're a kid, and I'm like. How old were you when yeah, you that's watched? Totally fair. How old were you when you watched young this? Adult. Young adult, yes. So, so that that kind of cracked me up a little bit. And then House of the Devil, Chad, that was awesome, man. And then Smokey was one of my. I'm happy this is here. So, yeah, this was this is a good chunk. This we're definitely into the meat of the. There's nothing wrong with anything on this list anymore. Now we're just right. kind of gushing about all the things that we like specifically about these films. Russell. How many were new to you in this list? Six. Six of these were new to me. We've already kind of touched on I'm the high man on What About Bob, Blazing Saddles, and Metropolis. I just want to say Metropolis really was a special movie for me. It's one of those movies you just don't think a silent movie can hold that kind of impact on you. And it does. It was fun to cover. I'm the low man on Miscongeniality, and that's no knock against it. I enjoyed it. I was on that episode, and I have nothing certainly bad to say about that. I guess I'm the low man on the totem pole for Kiss the Girls too. I will say this, the director's not very good on that one. Gary Fletter, when we did The Runaway Jury, they said, uh, change one thing. And I think I said the director. Um, you did. <laughs> um, so I'm building my case against you, Mr. Gary Fletter. I don't think you're a very good director. I don't think the people involved are bad beyond that. But like the actors and stuff like that, I like the story. But I just don't. It feels very of its time. 90s in a bad way, I guess, is a, is a way to put it. Oh, Russell, I listened to the miscongeniality episode on my way to work last week. The thing I wanted to applaud you on was I, I really liked how you said, like, uh, our, our male lead, Benjamin Bratt, he didn't deserve, like, he didn't do the, put in the work to deserve what he got. And I was just like, hey, good on, this is, I, I was like agreeing, I was nodding my head as I'm driving my van down the road. I'm like, yeah, he's got it. It, and sometimes when you dissect a movie a little bit, you that might make you like drop the ranking. But even with that part, it's like that movie's so funny, and Sandra Bullock is is, is a great. treasure. Yeah. Yes. For me, this is I had three new ones, and this list, it Brian hit it. It's like the meat and potatoes. There's a lot I enjoyed here. I love, love, love Gremlins. It's my number five movie. Leave Her to Heaven is another one. Russell banned me from this type of movie. He's like, I don't want you on this type of movie. And then he started lamenting. It's like, man, this is this is a five-star movie. It was in, it's my number seven. I loved it. And I had to talk him through a lot of it. I love the discussion of House of the Devil. It's a whole lot more philosophical than you would think. There were a ton that I wanted in on so bad. I wanted in on Lever to Heaven because I love the movie so much. I... Went to bat for Miss Congeniality with Russell. It's like, please pick this movie. You will have a good time. <laughs> Smokey and the Bandit. I grew up with cows in my front yard. I wanted in on that. The Wrestler. I listened to the podcast. And I, I had a fun time listening to Dustin Lizzie. 
but you guys got stuck on like the razor blade and blading and i am a redneck who is a big fan of wrestling and i'm sitting there going i want to talk about kayfabe i want to talk about blading i want to bring my knowledge to this re- episode I no idea i was like what's he about to do with that? <laughs> yes yes you thought he was gonna like stab the other person no. yes, yes. that was a fun listen the one i feel sad about is metropolis I am the low man. Everybody else seems to get it. I had seen this movie before. I still find it boring. I don't get it. Dystopian future movies just, they tend to not work with me. I'm very consistent with it. I dislike Dune. I dislike Blade Runner. I don't like this. Smoke is coming out of Brian's ears right now. I feel bad. I feel bad. I'm sorry to everybody else who enjoyed this movie. I, I came in at 36, so... Mea culpa there. Just on the dystopian future piece. I get that. Like, we all have something that somebody else loves that we're not that high on. So I get that. You know, Russell likes bad old comedies. I don't. And <laughs> so I, I feel like we all we all get one. So, you know, if you don't mm, like... I'm going to need more than one. Just get... <laughs> Hold on. I'm going to need more than one. So moving into our top ten. Dustin, congratulations on your dealer's choice. You are the last man standing with Coach Carter at number 10. The Fifth Element comes in at number 9. Double Indemnity at number 8. My favorite horror movie ever, A Nightmare on Elm Street, is 7. Hook comes in at 6. We've got Gladiator at 5. Good Will Hunting at 4. Aliens with an S at 3. The Princess Bride at two, and our number one movie, Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope. Yes, yes, that was our special. Lizzie, how many new are here at our top ten for you? Two of them were new for me. Uh, I mean, this is a hard list to even like find a couple of things to pick out about, but I'll just, I guess, touch on some of my favorites. To me, the obvious one that I have to touch on was, is Nightmare on Elm Street. That was my number one pick. That will always go down in history as like my top five favorite horror movies. I think that the lore of Freddy is absolutely perfect. The creepiness of like the little kids and the song, and like I, to me, I'm a big lore person in any kind of scary movie and especially with this one where it's kind of somewhere in the middle of a slasher movie and a monster movie almost and I think that it's so amazing the lore setup is exceptional and on top of that it's just scary it's campy I just adore it to me it feels like a love letter to people who love horror movies and I just I cannot get enough of it I'm so glad to see it in the top 10. Uh, Hook for me is Hook and Goodwill Hunting both. I love and hear. I'm, I went on and on during toys about what Robin Williams means to me. So I won't go back into that now. But especially Hook is special to see in here. That is so much of my childhood wrapped up in a movie. And Aliens, I'm admittedly not a big sci-fi person and I wrote a whole letter when you guys did the Star Wars episode about how I feel about it and I'll get to that in a second but Alien for me feels like somewhat of a hybrid it's like it really does feel like a horror movie and so that is like where I can really forgive it and it is so much fun and Sigourney Weaver is like fun and sexy and amazing and I just like cannot get enough of her and I love the little relationship we she has with 
Newt. I was going to say, what's the little girl's name again? Thank you with Newt. I just, I love it. And by the way, I have to say something really quickly is that in Scream 2, they're in film class and they're fighting over the verbiage of whether it's like one of them is, does the line where she's in the suit and he goes, get away from her. And then Randy's like, I believe it's stay away from her. This is film class, right? And I just want to be here to set the record straight. It is get away from her. That guy was right the whole time. So I'm here to tell you, Jamie Kennedy, that you were wrong. Princess Bride to me is a near perfect movie. I just, I absolutely love it. It's a great movie for all ages. And it's like the perfect, like it's like chicken noodle soup. I just love it so much. I expected that one to be your number one after having heard you on that episode, Lizzie. I know. I mean, this was really hard. I had a really, really hard time. To me, I chose Nightmare on Elm Street just because to me, like cozy horror is like what I want on in the background. Like if, um, so like I just can watch it a million, a million times. And just horror has my heart. But Star Wars, I am really happy to see. I'm very pleased to see it as number one. I am not surprised that it's number one. Although nobody actually listed it as their number right. one. I know. Yeah, yeah. It's like, but very like, I think I'm the only one that didn't have it in their top three. I had it at number seven. But I am happy to see it here. Star Wars is, I mean, it's a classic. And New Hope is, I mean, that's what gets you to fall in love with every with everybody and really sets the tone for the next what like it's the best one 30 40 plus years of storytelling so it's well deserved just everything you said <laughs> i <laughs> i love it all all right dustin are there any new movies for you in this one highest dealer's choice pick by the way yeah highest dealer's choice congrats yeah uh, it was a dealer's choice and i hadn't seen it i just knew it was my bag high school sports, teamwork. I didn't realize from two years ago the uh, stand and deliver. like Teacher movies. The, those kind of movies. Like, I didn't realize that was one of my things, but I like it. So yeah, one of these was new, which was uh, Double Indemnity, which I had ranked at uh, number 13. I know that my list was closest to the true list, but we got to give props to Brian here, who had, of the final top 10, he had everything ranked just about perfect as far as like his only deviation was like up to 11. Would Princess Bride have been number one without Brian's 11 rank? No. No. No, unless he gave it number one. Star Wars was a, a very hard to beat there. I think one through 14 are fairly unassailable. Very strong and very hard to rank my top 10 this year. I didn't put Star Wars number one. I put The Princess Bride number one. I wanted to say of the top 10, Three of these movies are when I'm asked the question, what's your favorite movie? Three of them dance around like my head before I make my answer. And I've, you know, depending on the day or the week, you know, sometimes you put out something else. But The Princess Bride is is very high up there. Hook, I've said before, is one of my favorites. I mentioned it on the show that we used to play that song and we, we were all pirates and lost boys in college uh, for Halloween. And then The Fifth Element is a special one for me that I've loved forever. And uh, I I've, I think The Fifth Element is where I started with my kind of four corners versions of like how you rank movies is it's okay for you to say there's good movies, there's bad movies, there's movies you like, and there's movies you don't like. And you can like a bad movie or you can not like a good movie. And so I think I've always understood The Fifth Element isn't good, but I love it. Uh, so this is this was a, a great, very strong top 10. Elm Street needed to be high. I'm glad it was. I don't revisit it that much, but God, I, I'm surprised it made the top 10 with a, a 40 from Russell. 
I wouldn't put it in my top 100 horror movies of all time. Oh my goodness. You're... Top 40 if you're just 100 horror movies? Yeah. Like you're just reading No, I wouldn't make my it wouldn't make my 100. That's what I'm saying. You you were just doubling down on bad opinions. I mean, just I don't know. Everything that you say about The Shining, I actually am starting to feel like I didn't realize this before that it, this movie was held in this regard. I thought that this was I don't know. I just didn't realize people liked it this much. So Maybe th- maybe this is my shining is for you, Chad. You say the shining's the most overrated horror movie. Maybe this one's mine. Yes, but I I still say the shining is a good movie. Just stop putting it as number one. That's my issue with it. It's not it's not scary. I couldn't agree more with that. I normally ignore the relevance to film history that a movie has when I'm trying to rank it, and for some reason, Nightmare falls out of that system. Is that something about the beginning of freddy krueger something about the inception of of this of this dream world and the threat is forever very special uh, so i thought that was great and then last thing it had been years since i'd revisited aliens but man did it shoot into my top five real fast it's too good it's so good dustin's line it's his number six yeah, well, I guess I, I forgot about one of those other ones, but it, that's how strong this was. Is it, it went up to that's how strong this year was. It went up to my top five and then got beat out by some others. Uh, it was so, a bloodbath in the top ten. It really yeah, was. but it, yeah, Aliens is so so good, and I, I, I'm not gonna go years again without rewatch. Brian, are there any new movies in the top ten for you? Oh God, no. <laughs> <laughs> this was just fantastic. I would say the easiest part of this entire breakdown was my top 10 maybe a little shuffling a little tweaking here and there to like order them correctly but by and large it was hard for something to break into my top 15 because it was already pretty well cemented i think goodwill hunting is one of those movies that if i had to hold up a proof that the academy isn't entirely stupid it's one of those movies for me so that's why it's as high as it is for me aliens i get giddy Whenever it pops into my head, like, I'm going to watch all the Alien movies. (laughs) I mean, like, I'm like, oh, yeah, we're going to watch them all, man. Like, I, and, and, you know, that's led by the strength of the first two. It's enough to push you through the third one to keep watching more of them. I'm unapologetic about enjoying the fourth one. So, uh, yes, you do have to push right there with you. So the fourth one feels good after you go through the third one. (laughs) But no matter what, I'm still happy to be doing it. So I I think that's what the bottom line here. We haven't really talked much about Gladiator. It was the gateway drug to Ridley Scott period piece pseudo action historical fiction, which I have ridden that train every single time he makes one take my money mm-hmm. right. uh even robin hood i don't even care how you feel about it i watched it i enjoyed it i enjoyed it it was fine i'm not gonna like suggest it to somebody but <laughs> i watched it you know <laughs> it's fine so napoleon isn't as great as you would want it to be unfortunately i just watched that oh really god i really want to see that ziggy piggy yeah hook is hook i will say that it got a lot of nostalgia boost Mm-hmm. Double Indemnity is a, a fantastic movie. I wanted to add one thing to what uh, Dustin was saying about Fifth Element. Yes, you can have the four quadrant grid, but I'm going to add a cube, a 3D okay. model of this. And I want to add the fact that a movie can know it's bad and that makes it better. Ooh, it's like a double negative. 
yeah. So anyway, that's that's how I feel about Fifth Element. I remember watching it. And I was like, dude, this is amazing. Like it just it 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 turns into the skid. It's one of those things where it's like, oh gosh, yeah, we're doing this. You know, everything from Ruby Rod on down <laughs> is just a turn into just yeah, we're doing it. It's like the statement we're going streaking. <laughs> the director and every are you guys on board for this? Okay, get naked. We're running through the quad. Uh, that's what Fifth Element does. Russ, any new movies in the top 10 for you? One. You are our curmudgeon, by the way. Russell is the low man three times, and two of them were pretty dramatic. I'm the high man on Coach Carter, but yeah, I am the low man on three of these. Aliens, I have at nine, but I want you to understand, I have 11 five-star movies from this year. This is a five-star movie. It's just one of 11. That's how much I really like this year. I'm not kidding if I said, like, you get five movies to be stuck in a vault with for the rest of your life. Star Wars, Caddyshack, and what about Bobber coming in that vault with me? We had three of those. There will never be another year I like as much as this year. Agreed. And I'll talk more about Hook later. Nightmare on Elm Street, I think I touched on already. I, I'm not sure I see the appeal. I, I don't want to rain in everybody's parade. I just don't see it. I've seen it twice now. I saw it before. I continued with Chad's love of it to watch the second one to see if it gets better. Maybe you need more of it to get more into it. And I, I, the second one... Watch three? Okay, well, maybe someday I will. Two didn't make me want to go a lot farther. Double Indemnity really caught me. It lived up to the hype. It's listed as one of the greatest thrillers of all time. It was a really fun episode. I was stunned to see Lizzie had that one at 24 and not higher. And Coach Carter, Dustin picked A Dealer's Choice, but it was like literally on my DVD shelf at home. I'm just like, all right, <laughs> I love this movie. So like, like, it's like my dealer's choice, but it's your dealer's <laughs> choice. So... Thank you. That's a gift. So I can't believe that I didn't have Gladiator higher. Like I said, that was just a huge pack of five-star movies. It's amazing. I really wish I could have been on Princess Bride. That's probably the one that hurt the most this year. Psycho and Princess Bride are the two shows that I, like for the history of the show, that I really wish I could have been on Psycho and I really wish I could have been on Princess Bride. I love doing that show. That was, that was fantastic. I had two new ones. I hadn't seen Double Indemnity and I had not seen Goodwill Hunting. I do have to address the elephant in the room. You're mean to the fifth element. I'm the absolute low man. It's 39 for me. Listen, bad movies, if it's in the horror genre, that's like cocaine to me. I am, give me <laughs> every bit of bad horror movie. I am game for it. Bad sci-fi, no. Like Starship Troopers, yes. This, no. So I, I did not have a fun time. I'm glad I wasn't on that episode, but I loved listening to that episode. And I loved hearing Fry and Dustin just kind of gush about it that was a good time it's uh, that's impressive considering dustin wasn't on it i thought dustin was on it uh, i had to miss no. fifth element i had to miss a princess bride yeah princess bride you had no shot at i was not giving up russell begged me over and over for princess bride i fought pretty hard to try and weasel my way into i was it. not getting off of that gladiator is my number one movie of all time nightmare on elm street is my number one horror movie princess bride I ranked it number four, which is incredible because it is a perfect movie. Mm -hmm. Star Wars is my number two. Like this entire list, short of Fifth Element, I'm, this is the happiest I'll probably ever be on this podcast. I love this year. The episode I wish I was on, Goodwill Hunting would have been a fun one because it was new to me. I'm the low man at 12. That's because I had all these five-star movies ahead of it. And I just, I love Goodwill Hunting. I really do. I'm very happy with the list. I would go back in time and trade Brian, though, because Brian is on Alien, and I'm an Alien fan. That's, that's like, top five horror for me. 
So I would trade you my aliens, which I do love, for alien. <laughs> I want the horror. I will give you the sci-fi action. Well, I will give you my seat for Aliens 3. Oh. Hey, I'll I still do it. I, I I don't care. I'll still do it. Right. Why don't we do our favorite part of the show, which is the superlatives for the year-end version. So let's kick this off. Best director, Lizzie. I had two that I was torn between. One, a movie that I actually did not like, but I have to give props to Sidney LeMay for Network because I think he really did a beautiful job. Certain angles and shots that he got, I thought were really remarkable and it kind of made the movie a little watchable for me, quite frankly. Needed something to make it watchable. I'm with Dustin. Found it like very boring. <laughs> yeah. But ultimately, like I got to give props where props are due. And then the second is kind of low-hanging fruit, but it would be Alfred Hitchcock for Strangers on a Train. I really enjoyed specifically the one scene when Bruce is taking out the wife and he... Like you, everything is shot through the rearview mirror of the car. Like I just think like that's like Hitchcock moves. He's so sly like that, and I love it. Dustin, best director. The nominees are Gus Van Zant for Goodwill Hunting, Ridley Scott for Gladiator, Darren Aronofsky for The Wrestler. But the winner goes to Rob Reiner for Princess Bride. It is a perfect movie. It's forever special. It's sacred. It's a crowd pleaser. Brian, best director. You know, I really wanted to go with my number one movie, which is James Cameron for Aliens, but I actually think that the only reason that I got pulled into and watched The Wrestler was because of Darren Aronofsky, and I think he did an incredible job on that, so I went with Darren. And Chad, best director. Rob Reiner. I said it on the episode. I've said it here. Princess Bride is a perfect movie. It's aging incredibly well, for sure. My winner is going to go to Metropolis for Fritz Lang. I have to say, it just blew my mind. I'm on the episode, so you can hear all my opinions there, but I can't take what it did for film out of it. I know Dustin just said, like, I don't look at its place in film history. I can't not. It's it's everything I like. It created the box for things that I like to get put into it. So I really appreciate what it is and how far ahead of its time it is. It's just stunning. It's beautiful, too. It's a great movie. There's so many people on screen. I know. It's it's ambitious. Uh, It's putting it lightly. So shout-outs to George Lucas for Star Wars and James Cameron for Aliens and Alfred Hitchcock for Strangers on a Train. Best cast, this is your ensemble. This is everybody in it here together. Lizzie. For me, there was only one option for this, and it was Hook. I think Dustin Hoffman and a quick Meryl Streep cameo, Rob Williams and Julia Roberts. It's just such a great cast. And Dude who plays Smee is pretty good. It's Shmee. Gwyneth Paltrow hook at one point. And Sneeze me. Just like, I love it so much. And it's a powerhouse. Good kid actor, Chad? No. No Charlie Cosmo <laughs> love? Yeah. <laughs> I will not. Chad you... thumbs down Charlie Cosmo. Dustin, best cast. My nominees were Gladiator and Waiting for Guffman. Because I brought it up on the show that like I have an affinity for these kind of you might call them A-list like in the comedy world, but B-list for the main world. But I had to give it to Hook as well. Me and Lizzie are aligned. Powerhouse uh, with Hoffman and Williams, Roberts, Hoskins, just a, a bunch. Uh, it was great. Hook for me. Brian, are you going to make it three in a row and go for Hook as well? No, I actually went with Goodwill Hunting. That's a great choice. I absolutely love the cast of this movie. Just top to bottom, like even with people that I don't really like, like Casey Affleck. You really don't. That is a viable role for him. <laughs> so I just think top to bottom, man, I, I absolutely love the, the cast of Goodwill Hunting. Chad, how about you? Best cast. My runner-up is waiting for Guffman, but again, not to sound one note, but The Princess Bride, our recast, I've never had a movie where I've just said, I don't want to. 
and I still, I don't want to. I think I recasted someone just randomly in the crowd. There's no one to recast. You didn't want to replace the rats of unusual size with squirrels of unusual size or something? S-O-U-S's? No. no. All right. My best cast goes to Caddyshack. Bill Murray's my favorite actor of all time, and he's working his magic here. Chevy Chase is on the high mountain for me, and I just love it. So, I mean... Like... This was the year of Bill Murray, too. Oh, I know. And there's been a dam of, like, that's finally broken through, and you're right, there's been, a, there's been a tidal wave of Bill Murray that came through this year, so... Caddyshack is just my favorite ensemble performance from everybody on the cast. It's all clicking in high gear. Harold Ramis is orchestrating the chaos beautifully and putting it all together because it wasn't easy to do because everybody was on drugs and it was just one wild time. And the fact that they were able to stitch it all together and have this piece of gold like they did not a mess is just terrifically amazing. So best actor, Lizzie. I went to Robin Williams all around. For me, he was my MVP of the year. You know, he's in my dealer's choice toys and he's just, he's silly. I just, I think he has that X factor where he's able to be ridiculous, but also really able to show you his heart and that juxtaposition that I just connect with so much. I, I loved him in Goodwill Hunting. He's such a genius in that movie. And I love him and of course, toys, but then also Hook. It's just like he's in some of my all-time favorite movies. So it was a huge treat for me to get to watch so much of him this year. So which one of those stood out the most for you? Which which Robin Williams was the most Robin Williams of the Robin Williams from this year? Probably Hook, honestly. I think for me, it feels like classic Robin. All right, Dustin. The nominees were Russell Crowe in Gladiator, Frederick March as Matthew Harrison Brady in Inherit the Wind. But my winner is... Robin Williams in Toys. Yay! That's Just awesome. kidding. No way. Oh. Robin Williams is not, <laughs> is not from Toys. He's so excited. I was like, I thought you hated that movie. I, I didn't like it. And, uh, and it really graded me that he was in that role. That was a fake out. It's Robin Williams in Goodwill Hunting. That was awful, Dustin. Uh, of course, okay. I loved him in Hook, too. But it's Robin Williams and Goodwill Hunting. You got me. Uh, and he and he definitely did elevate toys, but it was still weird for me. But no, Goodwill Hunting Robin was uh, was a masterclass. Brian, who is your best actor? Probably I'm on an island on this, but I went with Mickey Rourke from The Wrestler, mainly because if you look at his body of work before this film, I don't think that you would ever really seriously consider him for a superlative like this. And then he rolls out this performance and it floored me. Yeah. And I like, I remember seeing it in theaters and being like, I didn't know you could act, bud. He lived the life. Like there's method acting and then there's like taking it to a whole nother level. He lived the life. Well, I got so used to like the, the get Carter Mickey Rourke. And I was like, this is Aronofsky really can get anything out of anybody. So, yeah, it just, it floored me, the, the switch, the change, the, the, he brought it. He, he brought it in a, in a disastrously meaningful way. Chad, how about you? Best actor. I went to Goodwill Hunting as well, but I chose Matt Damon. Really loved his performance. Matt Damon. I think I just tipped my hand a second ago. My best actor in the year is Bill Murray. It, we did What About Bob? We did Caddyshack. We did Scrooged. That is an avalanche over everybody else for me. If I had to pick a dramatic role, Robin Williams would certainly be very competitive with Goodwill Hunting for me as well, not to sound one note, but also Brian also nailed one of my runner-ups with Mickey Rourke. It's yeah. outstanding what he does. It's really amazing. To me, comedy doesn't get its props often enough for the acting department, and I think what Bill Murray does 
here for us this year is truly genius, and my favorite Bill Murray performance was What About Bob? Best Actress, Lizzie. I went with Jean Tierney in Libra to Heaven. She was so good. She was wicked. I mean, it was chilling. Like, that scene in the boat will stay with me. I like her ability to just be so cold and honestly, like, completely indifferent. Like, that is like a wickedness that took a lot of chops on her part to play. And I know that she had, from doing the episode, she had so much in her personal life that I'm sure she was able to channel and she really brought it and just did an unbelievable job. Yep. She was amazing in that one. Dustin, how about you? Best actress. My nominees were Sandra Bullock in Miss Congeniality, Naomi Watts in Mulholland Drive, Barbara Stanwyck in Double Indemnity. And I went with Sigourney Weaver in Aliens. Talking about it with a friend and he said something offhand and I was like, I don't know if it's true, but it sure sounds right. He goes, was she like the first female action hero? And I was like, oh, I don't know, but she's like the one for me. Um, but yeah, Sigourney Weaver, incredible. Great choice. Brian, best actress. Definitely Sigourney Weaver. That was my easiest superlative. I was like, da, 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 da. <laughs> you know what else? Uh, even though Chad made his list uh, of, of, of who were best friends, I think we're all becoming best friends in our superlatives here. Right. Chad, I hate to keep sticking you at the end of the line because uh, can you be different for us here? <laughs> I was going to, I'm going to. I, I did love Jean Tierney and Leave Her to Heaven, but I went with Julia Roberts and Mystic Pizza. She's just so sweet right. and endearing, and it, it makes me happy. Yeah, I mean, who can win you back over after dumping in a truck full of, you know, <laughs> seafood yes. into a convertible and then still come out of it being like, ah, I forgive you. It's been right. it's, that's yeah. it. Yeah, you are a little crazy. It's like the biggest understatement. Right? You're weird. <laughs> You're weird. That's You're what weird. You yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, all of mine have been said. So my nominees were Sandra Bullock from Miss Congeniality, Sigourney Weaver from Aliens. Uh, Adele Exarapoulos from The Blue is the Warmest Color was another one that did not get mentioned, uh, who I want to give some... Uh, a nod to, but Jean Tierney takes it for me for Leave Her to Heaven for all the reasons that Lizzie said. She really did a great job in that movie, uh, yeah. Adele. So amazing. Uh, it's, just, it's just that it, she would, she did it for two times as long as it really should have been. <laughs> <laughs> you could say that about one particular scene, especially. Those scenes are long, man. It's not yes. just one scene. <laughs> yeah. You're right. There's many, and they're long. Yes. Yeah. Best supporting actor, Lizzie. Robert Walker from Strangers on a Train. Hmm. He's almost like the gene tyranny counterpart in a ways uh in just the sense that gene was cold and wicked but bruce's character was sociopathic in the sense that i he was charming and people in sly and manipulative and i just i found him so slimy and um it was so enjoyable for me to watch but he was a character that i really enjoyed hating Nice. Dustin, Best Supporting Actor. My nominees were Bob Hoskins in Hook and Edward G. Robinson as Barton Keyes in Double Indemnity. But my winner, maybe out of left field, is Alan Arkin. I don't know if you really call him supporting, but he was so special in that role. I know that movie didn't rank very high for many, and I know that it was a bit of a struggle uh, on that episode. But his performance, I don't think. I, I'm not going to go so far as to say his performance is unassailable, but it's certainly a joy when he's on screen. And, so I, and I loved it when he was on. And 
you know, 1966 goofiness of that was was great. So well done, Alan. Brian, who's your best supporting actor? This is probably my only true indulgence of my superlatives, but I don't want one position. I want all positions. All positions. I want Chris Tucker from Fifth Element. <laughs> it's hotter than hot. It's, it's hot, 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 hot. I, I'm usually the guy that hates the loud, obnoxious comic relief character. But because this movie was so ham anyway, the, the fact that they made maybe the loudest and most obnoxious comic relief character even more flamboyant just crack like it's almost like when you you hear a joke and you're like ha 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 and then it keeps going and you're like oh man they're really doing this and then it gets to a point where you're like all right it's it's hilarious now because they're still going so that that's that's where chris tucker is in this in this role like even his not funny lines are funny where you think corbin my man my man corbin corbin Oh, it is. He says, I got a fire. I got no fire. I don't smoke. You smoke? <laughs> I don't smoke. That movie rules. It is evident that three people <laughs> love this movie and two people do not love this movie <laughs> right now. Are we green? Super, Super green. green. Oh, like, what color green? Chad, can you be green for us here? Uh, I. My nominees were Wallace Shawn in The Princess Bride, but my winner was Joaquin Phoenix. He just blows me away in Gladiator, especially when he sits down with the busy little bee story. It's just chilling. I love his performance. I have a question. Everyone mentioned Robin Williams for Goodwill Hunting as being their best acting performance. Wouldn't he kind of go down as a supporting yes. actor? Yes. But if they so, like him overall, who cares? You picked her. And this is why I have Robin Williams here as my supporting actor, actually, for, for Goodwill Hunting. I also had Joaquin Phoenix as my close backup in case you all said, nah. Shout out to Chevy Chase, too, by the way, for Caddyshack. He was great in Caddyshack. Weird. I'm no slouch myself. Don't, don't take it hard on yourself. You're quite a slouch. <laughs> yeah. uh, best supporting actress, Lizzie. You went with. Reese Witherspoon from Election. She, to me, it's like the most standout position for me. She's so unhinged and it's so much fun to watch. And I just, that movie for me is such a fun black comedy. And I I just think Reese does an unbelievable job. It didn't bother me at all. (laughs) Dustin, best supporting actress. Reese Witherspoon in Election. Uh, Jeanette Goldstein as Private Vasquez in Alien. Carrie Lowell as Pam Bouvier in License to Kill, which is, I think, the only time I would bring up License to Kill. Uh, But my winner was Carol Kane as Valerie in uh, The Princess Bride, Miracle Max's Wife. Liar! Liar! (laughs) Get back, witch! I'm not a witch, I'm your wife! Uh, (laughs) Yeah, very small part, but I love her. Carol Kane also was in there for... Scrooge as well, then. Uh, Carol Kane was in there in Scrooge, and I, I, I have things to say about that particular portrayal as well. It's not across the board. It's her being Miracle Max's wife. Brian, best supporting actress. Uh, I went with Faye Dunaway in Network. Like she, she plays a lot of different social and mental illnesses. Chad, best supporting actress. I'm gonna give some love to the Fifth Element, Mila Jovovich. I, you all all struggled with her name. Jovovich? I, I sure. Think it, yes. Yeah. Whatever. Mila is a nominee, but yeah, Lizzie took it. I went with Reese Witherspoon in election. 
My Best Supporting Actress, Barbara Stanwyck in Double Indemnity. I did have nominees of Madeline Connor in Blazing Saddles. Faye Dunaway of Network for me was listed as a, as a candidate for me as well. Fry. Leah Sadu in Blue is the Warmest Color and Marissa Tomei in The Wrestler. So I had more nominations on this one. This is always a fun one. Sexiest female Lizzie, start us off. This one, I actually had a way easier time. I had a much harder time with the male one, but for me, it was no contest. Julia Roberts and Mystic Pizza. I, it's her hair. It is so, she had, it's the hair with like the, the smirk combo for me. And I just, I find her so attractive and she's so charming and she's just a sex pot. What can I say? I love her. All right, Dustin, how about you? Nominees include uh, Angie Everhart and Bordello of Blood. And uh, Laura Herring as our Camilla Rhodes slash Rita character. That really does it for me. But I'm going with Jeanette Goldstein as Private Vasquez. I have a type. <laughs> Ryan, sexiest female. Yeah, Mila. It's not even close on any of the other movies. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's, you know, Chad was tossing. Oh, I was like, there's a 101 point swing here. No, there, there wasn't. There wasn't really a number two. <laughs> Mila Jovovich from The Fifth Element, Brian, Chad, who is your sexiest female? Runner-up was Marissa Tomei and The Wrestler. I love the the fact that they tried to make Marissa Tomei ugly and it didn't work, or like the old and busted stripper. No, she's still gorgeous. But Angie Everhart, Bordello Blood, I would have died. (laughs) I I would have just been one of those dudes Absolute bombshell. Yep. I had a hard time on this one because there were three that just were very difficult to choose between Jean Tierney, Leave Her to Heaven, she was she was stunning, Mila Jovovich in The Fifth Element. I thought that that would I wrote it down early in the year. Nobody's topping this. But then we had Bordello of Blood and Angie Everhart came along yeah. and by half of a shred of a point tops out and becomes my number one on the year. Although I will give Mila Jovovich credit, she has the best piece of wardrobe <laughs> on the year. So or lack thereof. Yes. Thermal bandages. I mean, they're very important. They keep you warm. So don't ask how they work. No, 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 no. The, the, the uh, crop top with the orange uh, like suspenders, that's the better outfit than the thermal bandages. Also Absolutely. good. Also good. Yeah. She doesn't male. wear anything bad in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> Multi-pass. Sexiest, sexiest male, Lizzie. Carrie Owes and the Princess Bride. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> as you wish i'm right there with you all i have to say <laughs> all right <laughs> no runner-ups there no there there are none i mean i like slightly for a second considered uh 007 but then i realized it's just not me it's carrie was all right dustin <laughs> sexiest male it's also a weird timothy dalton hair license to kill bond all right my runner-ups are uh guy pierce and ravenous uh cory feldman in bordello of blood <laughs> uh, now this was real tight here Burt Reynolds as the bandit but the winner goes to Mandy Patinkin in Princess Bride Inigo Montoya uh, nice yeah. very good swashbuckling so two for two in the Princess Bride how about you Brian are you going to the Princess Bride for your sexiest male in the air as well no no we're, I'm just going purely by looks on this and I went Benjamin Brett Miss Congeniality okay. Okay. he's a handsome he's a he's handsome, a handsome devil yeah He's handsome, yeah. yeah. And Chad, Sexiest Male Award. I'm with Lizzie. Carrie Owes. It's the accent. It's everything. He's got great hair. Just, great hair. Yeah. If he says as you wish. Yeah. Yep. 
This was mine as well, and that beat out a Harrison Ford and Star Wars, so I mean... I, I did consider Harrison. Yep, so same here. Three people we are aligned with you, Lizzie, on that one, so uh, I don't know what that says. It may say nothing at all, but there Didn't you go. Didn't we bring up Harrison Ford as our sexiest male last year for his role as the little secretary dude? <laughs> Yes, yes. It probably did. Working, working girl, yeah. Oh, yeah, working girl, yeah. Well, he was also in um, no, that's not The Conversation. Yeah. The Conversation is what we're yeah. talking about. Yeah, yeah The, the Conversation is where he's like the, just like random henchman that's in there for like five seconds. Yeah. yeah. All right. Favorite dealer's choice picked by somebody else, which wasn't necessarily evident what we were doing earlier in the ranking. So, Lizzie. House of the Devil. That was... My, I would say probably my hands down favorite. I really enjoyed that movie. I was pleasantly surprised and would absolutely rewatch it. Right. Dustin, this is Brian's moment. Don't disappoint him. You're, you guys are friends. Mine here is Kiss the Girls as a dealer's nice. choice. Because I would have never approached the Alex Cross stories had it not been for this show. But I, my other nominee was A Funny Thing Happened on the Way to the Forum. All right. Brian, favorite dealer's choice picked by somebody else. So I also went with Lizzie's Kiss the Girls, uh, but I also want to give a nod to Chad's Dinner with Andre is the best I've never seen before. I did a similar disclaimer too. Chad, how about you? Russell sweeps it for me. Uh, Runner-up was Funny Thing Happened to the, on the Way to the Forum. That's a five-star for me, but Leave Her to Heaven. I love that movie. That's just instantly vaulted into a very elite tier for me. Loved it. All right. That, that makes me happy to hear. My uh, favorite dealer's choice picked by somebody else was, I kind of mentioned this earlier, Coach Carter. I already loved it. You already <laughs> and Dustin brought it up. So, But I'm going to do something similar to Fry, something that truly was new to me. House of the Devil was my favorite new-to-me dealer's choice. It was an interesting choice, and it was a fun listen to also, by the way. Biggest thrill. Now, this has to do with scene. This isn't just the movie. So without giving too many spoilers away, if possible, Lizzie biggest thrill okay so i'm sticking with my sim category as house of the devil and this kind of seemed kind of strange but in the episode we talk about and we kind of the three of us brian chad and i volley back and forth and having different opinions about the dancing scene but i know that that might not translate but to me that dancing scene was so terrifying there were aspects of it that were cute I knew that the other shoe was going to drop and waiting for it and the anticipation for it really freaked me out. And I still hadn't figured out what direction this movie was going in. So that scene to me actually was probably the most terrifying. It could have possibly been a little biased because the other movies that I think have you know objectively scarier scenes I've seen before, but I really, really enjoyed that movie. And that particular scene really got me. I remember clutching, I had had Taco Bell with me, and I was like clutching my cheesy gordita crunch, being like, "I don't know what's gonna happen." Yes. I'm scared. <laughs> I'm like really freaking out about it. One thing leads to another, Lizzie. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That movie's so scary. She got to, she got to clutch in her taco. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. All right. <laughs> that song rules, by the way. Oh, it's yes. the best. All right. Biggest thrill, Dustin. My nominees, the gladiator fight against Tyclus of Gaul, who wears the cool mask. Love that scene. Um, I think I've mentioned it before. I used to create VHS tapes of the best fight scenes in movies, and I'd have six hours of just fight scenes. 
So that was one of them. So that topped the gladiator training and funny thing happened on the way to the forum. <laughs> <laughs> the training is very, but it's, that's not, that's more comedic than it is a thrill. Uh, I gotta say, I, so I gotta avoid spoilers, I guess, but in Aliens, you have somebody in a loader robot fighting, uh, we'll call it an alien, uh, at the end of the movie. Uh, very thrilling how that ends, but my winner is, to avoid spoilers, the Patriot scene by the river, with okay. Heath Ledger, Jason Isaacs, our awesome pastor, and then Mel Gibson shows up a little late. Brian, biggest thrill. Uh, it's the scene in Aliens where Newt and Sigourney Weaver are locked in the room with a face hugger. Ooh, yeah. Like for the the in, the intentional implantation. Like that's still a scene where I'm like, not <laughs> yeah. the face, not the face. Mm. <laughs> Things are so strong. All right, Chad, biggest thrill. You cannot top the Death Star trench run in Star Wars, but that's kind of boring. So I do want to give a shout out to Lizzie's dealer's choice. The showdown and kiss the girls that lair. Uh, I love that. Nice. All right. I'm with you, Chad. I, I, the Death Star Trench Run is pretty hard to beat. I have a couple of runner-ups here with Double Indemnity and Strangers on a Train, and I don't want to give either of them away, but they both involve murder. Biggest laugh, me and my laughing funny Bone Island alone. I'm <laughs> going to ask for some company on this one. I know you did laugh this year. At some point, you, if you didn't, you're lying. Lizzie. Yes, yes. Uh, it would be miscongeniality for sure. And particularly the scene, I got too tickled that I almost didn't finish it when I was making my sentence. But when Sandra Bullock is out with all the girls and they're having their girl talk time pizza and taking their little 2B shots and she's trying to get a Miss Rhode Island to confess whether or not she's committed a crime. It's like, yes, yes, I have. I stole red underwear from the department store once. My mother wouldn't let me get them. She said they were Satan's panties. And I just, I was so tickled when I first saw that movie and that particular scene. For me, that held up. I was watching it in public at the gym and like cackled out. <laughs> Love it. You got to work off the Taco Bell, you know. All right. Dustin, biggest laugh. My runner up is all the banter of Abbott and Costello. I think it's so good uh, and so quick. And then my winner is I couldn't pick one. I just went with Ruby Rod's entire dialogue for The Fifth Element. So good. But let's also, let's not forget, Ian Holm is very funny in that movie. He is. Um, and so th that movie has a lot of comedy in it, but Ruby Rod is standout, standout performance. Brian, biggest laugh. Yeah, so I, I, I too went with Fifth Element, but it's the dry execution of three or four of Corbin Dallas's lines. Bruce Willis is rarely credited with being like the, the comic driving piece of a movie that's not a comic movie. He really, it's, it's that whole nine yards Bruce Willis that he really yeah. brings to Fifth Element. And uh, I would love to do that movie someday. Yeah. And, and I would say one of the most notable moments is where the dude's like hiding outside of his, his apartment with the, the <laughs> headgear that looks like the, the <laughs> give me the cash. Give me the cash. <laughs> and he's like, make some dance. And it, there's not really even that much dialogue to it, but it's still making. You left the safety on and he takes yeah. the gun away from him and hands it back to him loaded and ready to fire at him. And he knows that he still can't. Yeah. He doesn't have it in him. It is. That is funny. Give me the cash. All right. Chad, is yours from The Fifth Element, too? No. No, sir. There was no laughter to be had there. I went with our musical number. Everybody ought to have a maid, the dance number That's from A Funny Thing Happened on the Way to the Forum. It's 
so charming and just hilarious. It is very funny. My biggest laugh is the dinner scene between Dr. Leo Marvin and Bob Wiley, Bill Murray, and Richard Dreyfus. And what about Bob? <laughs> that was I have, funny. I have laughed at various points in my life so hard my sides hurt. I've laughed so hard at this one. I have cried. Mm. Literally. Mm. And I come back to this one. I can feel terrible. If I watch this scene, I feel amazing. So it's a pick-me-up if there ever was one. Is this hand shucked? Yeah, it's just it, the whole, all of it's just Murray's just, he's got the Midas touch on that. My nominees, though, are Brazing Saddles. There's a moment where the fourth wall is not just broken, but absolutely shattered. And I love it. I also love the Caddyshack scene where Bill Murray and Chevy Chase share the screen together. So special moment there. Very small scene. Most heartwarming scene, Lizzie. I went with Mystic Pizza. There's a scene towards the end of the movie, and I'll use the actress's names, but it's, it's the younger sister, Julia Roberts' younger sister, ends up having adult moment with someone and without spoiling it, but it's just, she's too young and in over her head. And they have had previously gotten into a fight and so they should be angry with each other but the sister comes home after just having this encounter and she's really vulnerable and really upset and her sister just sees that and everything that they had just fought about melts away and they just share a really sweet sibling moment and I don't have a sister but I have a brother and I know what it feels like to be frustrated at your sibling and then you realize that they really need you and that that just supersedes like anything that any kind of beef that you could ever have and I um I can completely relate to that and I just think it's such a sweet scene and as a girl in particular kind of relating to the the subject matter of that I just I really appreciate it so much all right Dustin most heartwarming scene nominations include uh it's not your fault from Goodwill Hunting. The teammates doing the push-ups and the laps for when mm. uh, Chico or whatever his name comes back in, like we'll do his punishment for him. Uh, sports, uh, high school sports, college sports team stuff is is a uh, is good for me. But the winner is little Fred Savage saying to grandfather at the end of the movie, "Maybe you could come back and read it again tomorrow." And he responds, oh, "As you wish." Oh, I like your pick. Oh, as you wish. Brian, this doesn't seem like this is going to be an easy one for you, but find it in your heart. Where's your most heartwarming scene? And it, it can't be Ruby Rose. I, <laughs> Ruby Rod. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I, you know, I rewatched some movies that I had seen before, even ones that I've watched several times uh, to prepare for this. And I can't say until I rewatched it for this run that I would have realized this at the time, nor would I say that this would have been the same hit for me a decade ago had I watched this movie. But it's the little girl in The Patriot when she goes, mm -hmm. Papa, I'll say anything, don't go. I was oh like, gosh. I was like, huh? <laughs> like, I would have been like, good luck on your, uh, your revolution, man. I'm staying here on this beach with this little girl bawling her eyes out, begging me not to go. I wouldn't go to work. I would quit my job. I would be like, nope, <laughs> sorry. I'm not going anywhere. Gosh, you know, I've watched that movie probably, I'm going to say at least 30 times, at least in segments and whatnot. And that scene never hit me like it did watching it or rewatching re it to double down for the, the podcast. And I was just sitting there like, yeah, gets me every time. 
So, yeah. Papa. Chad, most heartwarming scene, and you can't say Freddy Krueger. Oh, (laughs) man, but he's her boyfriend. (laughs) My runner-up is Maximus reuniting with his family in the wheat fields with the music. It's It's just so beautiful. But I'm also going Patriot. And it's so stupid, but the the charge with the American flag as the troops are retreating, it's ridiculous, but it it makes me cry. So I love that scene. So, well, actually, and and one thing on that, the score that they use, like the overarching score for the Patriot, which is so, like, uplifting for that, it is... I swear, like, two minor, I don't know anything about music, two minor notes off of Jurassic Park. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's a... It's a Same composer. Mine has got to be Robin Williams. It's not your fault. From Goodwill Hunting. Man, the feels are feeling hard in this feeling scene. Wow. There's a lot of great scenes in The Office. Like, that office is special for that movie. Yeah. I made this one specially for you, Dustin, because you had your... Um, I think maybe it was last year's show. You kept going spicy, so <laughs> you can you can you can serve these one up with your patented uh, spicy, <laughs> which my my impression is not working well here. So, Dustin, this is yours to hand out to people. You sure. Okay, Lizzie. Hey, uh, what was your? I know I have it labeled here as the. Uh, what was your most spicy scene? <laughs> okay, so I went. Uh, I went with a walk to remember. And the reason the particular scene is and the context of it is that Jamie and Landon have already established Jamie has set her boundary that she is not crossing any kind of physical touch with Landon in that way that like she is staying true to her faith and Landon completely respects that. And there's this unbelievable scene where he is trying to help her cross off a bunch of things off of her bucket list. That's right, yeah before he understands why she has one without giving away spoilers. And he, one of them is a tattoo and he puts a temporary tattoo on her shoulder blade. And the way that it gets me every time when he blows on her shoulder blade to dry it, I know that that is like the weirdest thing to get like hot over, but it's just, especially I guess as a woman, there's just something about like that, what could be element of it that we, feels we talked about it on the show yes like it's very sexy like this idea of like Take notes guys apply a, a fake tattoo yes there's so much tension building and there's they're they're really feeling each other and they're not going to let each other go there yet and you just know that when like that finally happened between the two of them yeah it was on like donkey kong like you just know that it was like so passionate and amazing and like all the things and i just so to me it was like the build-up of that moment that i found spiciest i love the superlative already we had mentioned on the show that it's like for it's like a 13 year old's like extreme eroticism and it's <laughs> yes! for minutes and minutes and minutes yeah we i'd say that definitely qualifies as spicy brian it's it's hard because uh, russell you wrote <laughs> most spicy and it's hard for me not to say spiciest but i'm gonna stick with what you said brian what's your most spicy scene I, at least 63 minutes of blue is the warmest color. <laughs> I, I look, I, I, I mean, that's a lot of spice. <laughs> well, that's like, that's like a, like an Indian curry dish turned up to like spice level 10. I mean, I, I know that's like the obvious, that's like the obvious thing, but I mean, I, I was just like, all right, here we are. I didn't pick it because it's presented in a very, um, 
super real manner. Like it's almost voyeuristic of like, yeah. Um, you, like Ru- Russell it, put it the funniest. He said, it's like having your college roommates have sex in the room while you're still there. And you just, <laughs> Um, like you're not sure if you should be paying attention Russell, to me and you were roommates just... <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean i i went through every movie and i was like what can i say that's not this and i was like hey, i'm just gonna say it it's fine it. yeah <laughs> i definitely brought the french spice chad what's your spiciest scene Angie Everhart and Bordello of Blood when she's trying to tempt Dennis Miller and she's changing outfits and she even changes forms. And Dennis Miller is somehow immune and I don't believe him. Yeah. Yeah. Also in that, in I think you've also got, you got a whole bunch of different rooms, a whole bunch of different ladies. And yeah, she, she's, she shows off her magic and you get a lot of spice there. Russell, what is your most spicy thing? Despite the fifth element, reanimation scene where the guy needed the document for uh the video for documentation purposes which was very funny <laughs> yeah um, the colonel. So, uh, yeah and shout out to the balcony scene and uh, double indemnity it's a very simple thing when she comes to that balcony and a towel but i am also going to follow suit and say tales from the crypt bordello of blood angie everhart just about anything she does but i think chad's was a good choice but i mean i also like the when we first meet her she comes in and interrupts one of the other vampire harlots and uh, steps in her place. And she's particularly alluring in this one. So Yeah, no doubt. Spice from the crypt. My nominees, Lacey Underall's golf outfit in Caddyshack. Oh, yeah. Lizzie, the entire movie A Walk to Remember is a slow simmer. And yes. so for, for, hitting, for hitting that like, you know, 10 to 14 year old demographic, that is a, that is a spicy movie. It is. It's like foreplay. It's yes. That's right. You heard it here first. Walk to remember Mandy Moore foreplay. Mandy four play. <laughs> and uh, my winner though is uh, Betty and Rita in Mulholland Drive. Uh, That's mm. a nice. fair choice. Good choice. Yeah. This, is a, this is a hard one to do. Is this means you would have seen it before and you've come back to it now, and it may have lost some ground for you. So, which movie didn't hold up over time? For you, Lizzie. I think Boondock Saints feels like the obvious choice. <laughs> I, saw, I saw that when I was... She's coming at it again. <laughs> I saw it when I was, I want to say in college. I think I think I had my full like memory of the first time that I watched it. And I watched it with like my brother and a couple of his friends. And when you watch it through like the lens of a 19-year-old, you're like, oh my gosh, it's so cool. But then like when I watched it as an adult, I'm like, oh my gosh. I have so many things to say, and I've already said all of them, so I don't need to go back yeah. to it. But I- you already dropped a toilet on the head of Boondock Saints from the top of a high-rise building. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Dustin, how about you? Didn't hold up over time. My nominees here are UHF and The Transformers, the movie. But my winner is Network. We already talked a little bit about it. I thought it was boring. I did watch the whole thing uninterrupted. And like I, I thought it was nice to kind of understand it, but I didn't try that hard, and I just I felt like it felt and it felt to me is the oh this just isn't this just isn't working with me with the ages so network mm-hmm. Brian didn't hold up over time. I'm probably gonna get a fair amount of crap for this, but like I said, the '80s just didn't treat this fan franchise well. But mine was License to Kill. I have a really hard time with Dalton bond movies and i it's it's just the 
it's just how the cheese ended up in the movie and i i just never really latched onto the the villains as really credible villains and it lost something for me in those in those 280s movies so yeah Okay. Something disagreed with you? Yeah. Lizzie, did you like Moonraker or License to Kill better? Because you were new to the Bond series, and having been on the show, this was now your second one. You would have having a bad time. It's really hard. I, um, <laughs> I have to be totally honest. I gave Moonraker a really hard time, but I probably would pick Moonraker. I think I okay. can appreciate that it doesn't take itself as seriously as License to Kill, and I think for that, I makes me appreciate it a little bit more. I got to say, I got to jump on with uh, Brian's License to Kill not holding up. When I think of Bond villains, I think of people that want to assassinate the king or who want to blow up the moon. I don't think of drug cartel leader. And, and I know it was kind of a vengeance piece for, for his yeah. buddy, but it, I, I just that movie didn't do anything for me. Also, I've never been a big fan of Felix Leiter. And on top of that, I, I'm, I'm completely hijacking this into saying things about License to Kill I didn't get a chance to. And it, and then, well, I guess that was it. <laughs> well, bless your heart. Didn't hold up over time, Chad. I think I have to go with the Transformers movie. That's something I remember fondly from my childhood. I did remember the trauma and the big death scene. Revisiting it was more painful than I would have liked. I might have said the Transformers movie, but I'll be honest with you. I was not the biggest Transformers fan of the TV show or the movie as a kid. and. I got to say, it can't really disappoint you when it wasn't really your thing. I only had a Transformer, and it was the size of a Matchbox car that I think somebody just gave me. This is not beloved to me. So I'll be honest with you, I wish I had not seen Hook after being a kid because I loved it as a kid. I, I, you know, I, I pretended to be Peter Pan with my sword like, like after seeing this movie. This is my favorite version of Peter Pan. But as I've gotten older, I went back and I saw it again in college, and I was like, yeah, it's, you know, kind of returning to a smaller room. And, like, this room felt bigger to me when I was younger. And then upon coming back to it now for the show, there's some pacing issues. It takes a very long time to get to Neverland. I love it. It's still fun. But we covered some amazing movies this year. This is the one that I did kind of sit there and go like, oh, I, pro- I watched it with Grant, and he had a blast with it. And I got to That's at good. least enjoy seeing my, like, four-year-old son really connect with it and love it and have that magic and so i was really glad that was there but both mary and i were talking about afterwards and sitting there we had a surprising number of points that was just like like i said earlier it's like spielberg i had always been like why do you consider this not up to your best work and it's like well yeah it's spielberg's catalog his catalog's amazing so i guess he can say that so maybe it is not the best spielberg maybe it isn't in the top 10 spielberg flicks but it's still Spielberg. It's amazing. So I like it. I just want to say it just has lost some for me as I've grown older. You can throw things at me now. We did talk about some of the ways that it was lacking or the, some of the things that we had noticed now that we were grown. Uh, something that Peter Pan wasn't supposed to do. Now we noticed. Yeah, the Tinkerbell or, uh, dynamics. It is weird. But... Yeah, but yeah. Ke- yeah, but keep in mind, he did Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. <laughs> <laughs> that That definitely is the bottom for sure for sure most improved by rewatch the opposite so that was the bad news this is the good news lizzie this is really hard for me the one that feels i guess the most right to say in terms of most improved i guess would be gladiator for me when i i feel like watching it what when i first watched it i was much younger and i just was like this is to me it was in my 
young teenage phase. So it was like, oh, like gross, like soldiers and, you know, like, like, I don't know. I just was like stupid and immature and I wanted to watch Miss Congeniality, you know? So to mm-hmm. me, I was like, I just have no interest in this. And so rewatching it, it's like you actually watch it through the lens of an adult and appreciate like now as somebody that loves history and can really appreciate like historical fiction. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was like a heartfelt movie at times and it was really entertaining and I, I dug it. Justin, most improved. Nominees would be Miss Congeniality, special consideration for Lever to Heaven because I watched it twice and it was good the first time and way improved the second time. Uh, so I thought that was like a special part of the category, but the overall winner is Goodwill Hunting. Knowing it was good, and then getting to watch a great movie as part of homework time for the show, awesome. Loved loved to come back to it. Brian, most improved. I think this is true because of how in often I watch it, but every time I watch Metropolis, I appreciate it more. So just, I mean, I would say it's something I watch every 10 years or something, and sometimes by accident. And every time that I do, I'm like, dude, dude. (laughs) All right, yeah. Chad, most improved. Ravenous. I really enjoyed that episode, and I think rewatching it and doing that episode boosted that entire movie a full star. It's just one of those things that it's a very imperfect movie. But there are hardly no Wendigo movies, period. Right. And it it's such a unique movie. It's It's got a unique setting in uh, the Mexican-American War. And it's a Wendigo movie. So, yeah, I, I love it. It was good. When you're on with Fry about something he's really excited about, that energy does rub off on you. Yes, yes. When When Brian takes something and he's like, this is mine but I want to share it with you. <laughs> and, and that was very much the energy of Ravenous. Precious. Brian beat me to it. Metropolis was mine. I had always been impressed with it, but I studied it like Dustin said. Like it's, it's an absolute joy to be able to study a movie in that depth. And it just is, it's an astounding piece of history and film. It's just amazing. And I really enjoyed Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. I had a lot of fun studying that one. And like you, Dustin, because Chad told me, I was, I was going to watch it again for the podcast, but the turnaround from watching Lever to Heaven, had I only watched it one time, I would have left going like, I, that movie was rough. I didn't really enjoy that movie. No thanks. And then coming back and doing it again really changed my perspective on it. So that technically might be the best benefit from rewatch, but I rewatched it literally twice within like three days. So that's not 100% fair to say. So Metropolis is aging really well for me. You drown a kid, I am on board with your movie. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Chad. Uh, (laughs) Most fun you had on our episode this year, Lizzie? So I already mentioned how much fun I had on Boondock Saints just because it was very fun for me to just let it rip. But I have to say, I had a lot of fun on House of the Devil. That was, I've given a lot of accolades to the movie, but recording the episode, I also had an equal amount of fun because Chad you mentioned it earlier and you hit the nail on the head like it kind of we took a turn you Brian and I kind of took a turn of like almost making it like a philosophical piece of like are you accepting the cash are you staying like what role are you playing in this and I think we just I had a lot of fun kind of role playing on which character we would be if we were placed in that scenario and 
just, I don't know. I, I think the whole episode really was from top to bottom was really fun to record. Dustin, what was the most fun you had on an episode this uh, year? My nominees were Inherit the Wind was great to go back in history about that. Uh, Metropolis with Nathan and you, Russell. But, but <laughs> um, <laughs> I realized how that sounded. But uh, more, more, so na- more so Nathan, talk- you were there too. <laughs> talking about that with you two was, was awesome. Uh, I've already mentioned Smoking the Bandit, the Tennessee Boys. But my, my winner was uh, the Transformers the movie, which was our lowest ranked movie. It was so much fun to record because I told our guest ahead of time, I don't like this movie. <laughs> <laughs> and the guest has, has said to me in person before, this is my favorite movie. So I said, I'm coming in with this Ooh. energy. And also, because it was a weird Veterans Day episode for our military appreciation and we end up doing Robot Wars in Space, uh, we also decided <laughs> to flip the script by cussing a lot. And so uh, I got the chance to uh, replace all of those beeps with uh, very special Transformers sound. So that was fun to edit as well. <laughs> what about you, Brian? Most fun you had this year? I, this probably isn't going to come as a shock, but I went with Network. I understand a lot of the animosity that I'm hearing on this, but when you rail against things being the way they are for long enough and then you find out that there's a, a movie back in 1976 <laughs> doing it, I'm like, huh, it's my spirit movie. So, you know, it's not a perfect movie, but it was definitely, I, 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 I remember finishing it and just being like, that how about you chad the most fun you had on a recording this year my runner-up was my dinner with andre we just so rarely get into like an hour and a half of philosophical discussions it was less about the movie and it was just a fascinating discussion i love that one but my winner of the year was a funny thing happened on the way to the forum i was grinning ear to ear from start to finish it was an hour and a half of just jokes and laughing, and I just felt good throughout the entire time. And I'm going to follow suit with Metropolis. I had fun on this one with Nathan <laughs> and Dustin. Yeah, that was there. Um, it was just a really fun movie to study and to dive into. And I got to say, nobody mentioned it. The Star Wars episode was just so much fun. And, and then Aliens was a blast, too, by the way. Yes. All right. We have come full circle. This has been a long one, but would somebody like to help me pick a movie for next time? It's the new retro. It's time for a new class of retro movies. All of these movies are from 10 years ago. That's our limit, folks. Option number one, Interstellar from 2014. When Earth becomes uninhabitable in the future, a farmer and ex-NASA pilot Joseph Cooper is tasked to pilot a spacecraft along with a team of researchers to find a new planet for humans. Option number two, Gone Girl from 2014. With his wife's disappearance having become the focus of an intense media circus, a man sees the spotlight turn on him when it's suspected that he may not be innocent. Or option number three, Boyhood from 2014. The life of Mason from early childhood to his arrival at college. What's it going to be? Dustin, we got to go with Gone Girl. Gone Girl, 10 years ago. Finally, I get to watch it. Good choice. Can't wait. Thank you so much, Chad, Lizzie, Dustin, Fry. You guys make this a blast. I have so much fun doing this show, and it is a wonderful thing that we get to do here. And six years of doing it has been a blast, and we're going to do another year, and it's going to be even better, I have no doubt. So thank you all the listeners for sticking with us. If you listen to all of this, then we absolutely love you and appreciate you. And uh, hey, it's bonus content, so uh, you're welcome.
And remember all the lores, ladies and knights, the Retro Movie Roundtable. We invite you to reach out, subscribe to us. We want to hear from you. So review us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever you get your podcast. Give us a like on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at at movie underscore retro. Email us at retromovieroundtable at yahoo.com. And as always, thank you for listening. Be good to each other and watch more movies. Brian? Because less than 3% of you people read books!